0: This is Cal Simons, writer of The Mercenary Sea, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. This is our 50th episode. With us today is the legendary swamp hero, Mike. What's up? Also featuring the legendary star hero, Ross. Hello. Also featuring the silver age space hero, Curtis. Top of the morning to you. Also featuring the lone hero, CBS, who's keeping us all together. I work alone, that's why I'm in everybody else's books. We also have the cotton candy unicorn hero, Rob. Hi, hi. Unicorn shoots rainbows out of its horn. It's
1: better than the other option. Horn of death. <laughs> don't stand I think behind. I happens to you, you. Don't talk about it. Sometimes it shoots out Maybe of you, other holes. You wonder where Hershey's kisses come from?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Not anymore. I don't. U- unicorns are involved. Oh Maybe. <laughs>
3: Out of control already. Oh, all right. Well, like announcer guy said, this is our fiftieth episode.
2: Yeah.
3: All right. <laughs> so uh, today, uh, let's see. We're we're gonna do do a little bit different format today. We're gonna go over. So we got we get writing questions all the time from people, and so uh, this is more about like things we're currently reading aside from like what we normally review. So maybe not things that are all new. Just what happens to be what we're reading this this last two weeks um but before that let's go ahead and start
0: with ross and the dog pile
2: God damn it. <laughs>
3: for some news ross
4: <laughs> probably the first big thing we had this week was the fantastic four trailer
0: yeah.
4: yeah, not not the happiest thing ever, I guess.
0: You know what? I I was late watching it, and I had people be like, "Oh yeah, the thing looks so much better than he did in the old films." You see him for like two seconds from behind. It's
1: true. Maybe that might be the the thing.
0: I, maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe that was what they were watching. they were like, "Man, the thing better look right when he faces away from me."
1: I thought <laughs> I, I wanted to look like Korg from Thor. <laughs> Man. And, Hopefully, that's what we have. Well, the
5: way this is shaping up, it appears to me that, from what I've heard, the Roger Corman version will end up being a lot better than this one. Wow.
0: That is that is rough. I, I don't know if I'd go that far. But I guarantee I a lot more it. people
5: will see this one than the Roger Corman probably. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. No, for sure. Judo?
0: No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure more people will see
5: it. <laughs> it's, something,
3: it's something you do in your it's like karate wrestling.
1: What's <laughs> it? That's a, that's an old fashioned floor wrestling. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> old fashioned floor wrestling. You know, there are, there's things the Roger Corman one had. It had a couple things that are okay about it. Well, there was two that, things in it? Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> there, there was well, two things Well, not like that two things. <laughs> <laughs> like two, two good things. Oh, Man, okay. that's starting to sound awesome. Yeah, <laughs> there may have been stunt thing. Thing
1: one and thing two. Now we got our Doctor Seuss BS. That's what I'm talking about. I'm about cussed.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's wrong, wrong. Well, it's the 50th episode. Let it fly. No, no, no. no, no. no we
0: need a little restraint. Yeah. Dial it back over there, Mister. It's kind of like if Batman starts killing people, he'll just do it all
5: the time. Um, um, I think that's taking it a little far.
0: That's the whole thing. He's he's afraid for Alfred's life. Mm-hmm. He's like, if I kill a Joker, <laughs> you're next. (laughs) you're gonna bring me the soup and there's gonna be crust on my bread and it's dead you're dead (laughs) you're gonna be broken like bane style on the floor and then i'm gonna cry
5: so you're saying there's a fine line (laughs) between cursing and murder
0: it's not very much (laughs) (laughs) it's a very thin line
4: you know that's actually the uh red rain the vampire babian book pretty much how it happened is he's like i'm not gonna eat anyone and then he ate a villain and then he's like well forget it i'm eating everyone
0: now." <laughs> pretty true are we supposed to be doing news yes <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> this is kind of news just kinda. so people understand when they go well, why do not batman just kill that guy that's why because then he just flip out and he kill everybody the more you know
5: this is the add episode <laughs> Don't spell in front of me, sir. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, anyway, so we had some news, and it was, uh, you know, aside from yeah. the Fantastic Four, so... <laughs> Movie past the four.
4: Mm. Um, they cast Jimmy Olsen in the Supergirl TV show. They cast Supergirl, too. I don't know if he has talked about that
1: last time. No, I don't, yeah. think, I just... she was, I don't think she was alive back then. <laughs>
3: <laughs> she was yes. alive. We just didn't know who she was.
4: Um, well, Jimmy Olsen is is. Name is McCod Brooks. He's definitely a black guy, which is cool. Except for I don't know how the character will play out because of that.
0: I, I feel like he's going to be a lot cooler than Jimmy usually is. We
4: wears sunglasses all the time.
0: Yeah. Maybe he plays Charles.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs>
5: well, Jimmy Olsen. I mean, just from my experience, always been a goofy, doofus type. I guess, I, you know. You call him a goofus. Yeah, goofus. Except for the Injustice version. You don't really get to know him too well. Well. well, he dies. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and that's kind of the thing. Like, when you go to a parallel reality and Jimmy Olsen's, like, B.A., that's how you know you're not in the real reality, is that Jimmy Olsen is running around being action star. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. We'll see.
4: And uh, Supergirl, uh, her name is Melissa Benoist, I think. Mm-hmm. She was from Glee, I guess. That was her big show she was on before this. uh, If I'm not mistaken, she's a brunette. She is. My guess is that she's going to be blonde in this show. Right. And she, like, face-wise and everything, she looks fine. I I heard that's where that dude that plays Flash came from,
3: that show. From Glee? Yeah, that's what I heard. Huh. I I don't know that. I never watched that thing. Look up the castings
1: for that Jessica Jones show. I think they cast somebody on that. Yeah, I think they did, mm. too.
0: Now, while you're doing that, there, isn't there another character that will not be changing their hair color?
1: Yeah,
4: the, in an interview with Jason Momoa, who's going to be Aquaman, What's he said name? that he's probably not going to be blonde in the movie. So with, he's not certain? Yeah, He's not positive, but he says he thinks that he's not going to be
1: blonde. Is he going to have the long hair? I would assume so, but I don't think and anyone the knows.
5: striking good looks? Yeah. Is he going to have the hook hand? I don't know. Probably, probably You know,
4: if, if they go with the way he looks right now, I could see the hook hand pretty easy, actually. Because hmm. he does have that beard. Yeah, he's
3: got the beard right now. He's yeah. got
4: the kind of barbarian look down.
5: So. I, I don't I know from... if the blonde hair thing, I don't know if he could pull it off. Yeah,
4: <laughs> you know, after they announced it, I was kind of like, well, that's not really going to be off my man. But I don't, like Mike just said, I don't know if he could pull that off very good.
0: Yeah, I think he would look pretty weird. With blonde hair. Now, especially if we go, like, platinum. Be, <laughs> yeah. You'd
5: look really Well, weird. see,
4: that's, that's what I was thinking, too, is if you do make him blonde, it's going to look like it's dyed
5: blonde, no matter mm-hmm. what. And... Of course, you it... just find somebody else to play the part.
0: Well, it's possible, but, I mean, no. you know, this is going to sell Aquaman, I think. I, I think people are going to be like, holy cow, Aquaman. Yeah.
1: I, I like Jason Momoa from I do when he played Conan which is a crappy movie, but... It's not that bad. I, I liked his character, and I think he's a he's a really good actor. I think that is a really good choice for Aquaman, actually, yeah. too. But.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you have to go against the look of the character, you know, sometimes if you can pull off something better, I mean, that... Well, that's that not was... as
5: drastic a change as a lot of the other characters that have been cast in the, other movies. This is true. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of, I mean, like the... Uh, was it the, well, the villain in the Fantastic Four? Maybe look what they did to that, from well, supposedly. Yeah, just just what it sounds like so far. It's like, like a cyber terrorist. Dr. Yeah, it's kind a of
0: cyber bad news. I think his name is Dr.
5: Doomenstein. Yeah, yeah Doomenstein or something. Or something, something or, yeah, Doomenstein.
0: Oh, yeah, maybe.
3: I think that's a video game. <laughs> oh, wo- Wolfenstein! My bad. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's a W. Isn't that
1: a monster? Boy, uh, oh, well, that's Frankenstein. <laughs> yes. Isn't that something you drink out of? That's just
6: a stone. <laughs> that's just a beer Stein. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Now maybe if you take multiple <laughs> made of porcelain. Sorry, go uh, on. Maybe if you take multiple wolves and you sew them together with lightning, then it becomes a Wolfenstein.
4: This just <laughs> sounds awesome, by the way. Yeah, it's
0: like the greatest trademark. It's got
3: two heads. <laughs> it's a
0: bunch of wolves. Okay,
3: maybe, maybe I have the trademark. We don't know. <laughs> no, no two heads.
4: As far as Aquaman goes, it he sounds better the more they talk about it. So I don't know if anyone else heard this, but right when they were starting to cast him and explain his character, they were like, He's gonna be like surfer dude, Aquaman and I was
3: Oh, they McConaughey like, must have been taken. Dang, <laughs> they already made that though. It was called Aquaman Mercy Reef. And that Aye. was a failed show.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, they called him Orin in that didn't they? Yeah.
3: yeah. Thing Rams was in it. The effects were okay, but the yeah, that was. Bing Rams
1: should have made it legit. Oh yeah, I, I like Bing Rams. Heck yeah, man! He should have, but it just it just didn't no, it was
5: bad. Well, he's done a lot of those shows where oh, he's in it, should be pretty good. Well, it, that ship is safe. It's
1: terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a What he gets for, that's what
5: he gets for buddying up a sci-fi.
1: Yeah.
3: Take that, Bing Rams, <laughs> and all your awesomeness. In the. Uh,
4: Jessica Jones casting? Yep. They cast Rachel Taylor as Trish Walker, or Hellcat. Yes, that's a
1: Hellcat. Oh, that's freaking oh, Patsy awesome. Walker? And It's yeah, Trish. It's, What's it's probably going to be a
0: daughter. <sighs> I don't know the... Maybe it's the grandmother, or the mother. Is Trish maybe another way of saying Patsy, like Richard... For no. Robert, I don't see how you get no, that'd be <laughs> Richard for Why do they have to? Yeah, don't for, to change right. things Bob. That don't yeah, Rich, Richard also works for. for Does it really? Dick or Robert. I've yeah, never heard that. Yeah, they call uh, Dick Grayson Richard Grayson sometimes. Well, I knew that. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't know it was for Robert. Oh, well, maybe it is just for Dick. <laughs> I don't know. Bob for Robert. I don't get that. And Bert for the Robert. Name
5: change. I, I really don't. I mean, whatever. But. Well,
0: well, it could it could be like you know the old Bruce Banner TV show where they were like the the whole TV show. Where the guy was like, "No, Bruce is a weak name. I have to be David. David Banner cause David's a strong name." It's so true. it could it could be something stupid like that. Maybe. I thought we were past all that nonsense, though. I mean, what do you think? But
3: if we're gonna have Patsy Walker in the later oh, shows or movies,
1: her real name is Patricia, which Patsy is short for Patricia. Right. And Trish is short for Patricia. It is the same. So So
3: Rob was right. (laughs) Take that, everyone
1: else's beliefs. That is amazing. (laughs) It
0: broke my mind. (laughs) (laughs) It's not not that infrequent. I didn't know she
5: was going to be in that show anyway. No, I don't think any of us knew. I think Mm -hmm. that's awesome, though.
0: The more you know. Wait, that's wrong sound effect. It's huh? a different, different sound Donate effect.
3: For a to the swoosh work. somehow? Yeah, with a star sound. Do, do, do. I don't think that's right either. <laughs> <laughs> that that pretty sure that's a quiz show
5: thing. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, that? did they have a release date on any of those Netflix shows? Uh, Sometime in the future.
2: Huh. <laughs> <That's>
5: <laughs> right? Good.
1: He Probably, doesn't like smart-ass <laughs> answers when they're directed at him. Probably after. i will give them all damn day. After Avengers 2.
3: Yeah, that's probably true. Probably.
4: Yeah, I have no idea. You're Um, right. The other big, well, not big announcement, but they announced that they're making two more animated DC shows, which I'm assuming are going to be online things, because they haven't said where they're going to be. But they're based off toys right now, so they're definitely going to be aimed at little kids. But one of them is the Super Friends based off their little kid super friends kind of toy line
3: thing. Do you think it has anything to do with the... Because they did that one Justice League that was super friendish with the two people from the future?
4: It's not going to be the trapped-in-time style. Okay, no, it's going to be more, more of like the uh, littler look to them, where they all look smaller. Oh, like the
3: little, ki- like the little kids' yeah. action figure things. Yeah. They, ah, okay. The,
4: both of these shows are supposed to be direct, like try-to-sell-the-figures type thing. And the other one I want to say is Batman Unlimited or something. It's the Batman figures that are in stores right now. But the the Batman one, they said that they're going to have Red Robin and Nightwing in it, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. If they're aimed at kids, it might not be the greatest thing ever, but it might be okay, too. It's hard to say. What other cartoon are they making? Uh, They're making Vixen. That's going to be a CW Online. Only that ties in with Flash and Arrow. It's oh, in interesting! The same
0: universe, but it's going to be an animated. Yeah, yeah. It's animated and it's huh.
4: online only. Yep.
0: I wonder if they have a backup actress. Maybe. Wouldn't that sure. be a
1: crazy crossover? Or it'll be just kind of a way to cross over the Flash and Arrow without having them cross over and just do voice acting.
4: Yeah. And I mean, if they can do animated stuff like that, there's no stopping them. Like they could do whatever they wanted, pretty much as far as. Character-wise, I mean,
2: good point. Adam yeah. wouldn't be
4: that big of a stretch to show in a animated.
1: No, I think yeah. he'll probably
4: show up
5: in the actual show at this point. Yeah, they're they're headed in that direction pretty, well, cool, pretty quickly. Outfit, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, and and then well, the latest, but episode, like him
3: wearing it and doing uh, things. He
5: hadn't worn it yet, but he's 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 uh, modified the chip or whatever he needed to do, and so it, it's coming. I'm assuming probably at the finale. Or,
1: you got the pin particles working.
5: Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I he a has piece of really, a white dwarf star. Yeah. He, re- he refers to it as a like an exoskeleton. He hasn't really said what it what it does exactly, so okay. I don't know what they're doing. You know what would be cool, and I'm sure they're not going to do this because of
4: rights? The hamburger. Yes. <laughs> no. I don't think It'd be, that's the uh, same thing. Oh. Green Lantern ties really well into both Flash and... Green Arrow. Yeah, It would be cool if they did something with Green Lantern with it, but
0: it's heck of ambitious. But if the animated works, maybe.
4: Yeah, I, it'd be hard for him to make him work in that world. I think, but he is a pretty strong character with ties to both Flash
1: and
5: Green Arrow. Well, look how they pulled off Firestorm. That's true.
1: Yeah. Has he point? Does Firestorm fly mm-hmm. in the series?
5: Okay. Well, you don't haven't seen him much, but it, that's coming too. Right. But You've seen him enough. Right, we do see him
1: flying in. Yeah. I mean, he well, like for it, network television, uh, if you've got a good in there. It's
5: good for network television, the Firestorm stuff. So, mm. yeah, it, it, they could do it.
1: Mm. I just think for network television to show, it's going to be a lot more costly to do that, effects-wise. But, yeah, yeah, I agree. But we'll, we'll see what happens.
5: You can tell a lot of difference between even Season 1 and Season 2. I think they bumped up their budget, maybe. Talking you about can, you can tell. Yeah, you can tell the difference. Things just got better all the way around.
3: I think part of that might just be the fact that they have done it so much now. Right. I mean, when you're first starting, there's all these things you have to build and all these things that you have to explain. And now at this point, there's just certain things you take because it's already established. So I think part of that's probably the whole deal. I mean, when you're building your first batch of sets, a lot of money goes to sets. So if you're using the same, like they use the same arrow layer, and they've been using the same club, and yeah, they add the brownstone in Season 3... But other than that, set wise, we're not really using a bunch of other regular sets, so maybe the budget's just been spent better or yeah, different. Maybe.
4: Anything think like when you're starting a show like that, and you're not sure if it's gonna work or not.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. money wise is definitely different. Well, there's a lot of story you have to tell. How many first issues knock you off your ass? Mm-hmm. Right, that's a good know point. What I mean? Yeah, they got to build that backstory to make you give a crap.
3: Good point, Ross. What else you got over there?
1: Last,
4: probably pretty big bit of news. Which apparently has been ruining everyone's childhood, so I've heard, is the all-female Ghostbusters cast.
5: <laughs>
3: oh man!
4: Which is uh, Kristen Wiig, Leslie Jones, Kate McKinnon, and Melissa McCarthy as the new rebooted Ghostbusters. I
3: don't think all those are winners until you get to McCarthy.
1: I, I know two out of four.
4: Yeah, I've. That's know like half but in kind of the same vein as the original ghostbusters they all are like saturday night live
5: that doesn't really i don't know yeah i don't know i mean
0: it, it just kind of smells like hey let's just grab the money yeah but maybe maybe it'll be good i don't know you any know? of them
5: have horse face horse face <laughs> like <laughs> horse face floor <laughs>
0: Horseface like Thor. Thor. Yeah, yeah. You know, I couldn't speak English. Ever, so. <laughs> I think we're just
4: in like a society thing right now where everything has to be different for people to hmm. to catch on. But That's the mindset I think everyone seems to have at this point.
1: You, you got to look at it. These guys are pushing sixty, mid sixties. Oh yeah, we can't have the regulars. Yeah. regardless no. of who
0: they cast, it wasn't going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and there, you know, there's a lot of thought that Ghostbusters. Three is cursed mm-hmm. by a lot of the people that are a part of it. So maybe they're, you know, they're setting up to block, take some of these girls out. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's
3: the only way they get three deep,
0: Rob. Oh, yeah, only the do new a, person. Do
5: and then it's the heavyset be, girl. because it's always going to be uh, character. doing a lot of gender and race swapping and everything.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, true. that's what I was kind of getting at, is that just Hollywood in general seems to have the idea that they need to do things different for people to be excited about it.
1: Yeah, which is you know I mean, whatever. And I mean, the other ones may still be in it <clears throat>
4: and teaching these people mm. how to do it. My guess is, from the sounds of it, it's a reboot, yeah. so it's not in continuity at all with the old ones. So, man, it won't even be called Ghostbusters three at that point. Mm.
0: No, it'll, it'll just be Ghostbusters. Right. Right.
4: Uh, my guess is that you'll probably have some sort of cameos from the other ones in mm. it. I don't think they'll play big roles at all, but
5: it's probably like a kind of like a Stan Lee. Yeah, type of thing. Because
1: yeah. the script was getting held up by Bill Murray. Yeah, originally, so they must have thought, "Hey, let's just do this." And I don't know if Bill Murray's on board with that. But I don't think I've of heard of Grand anything. Child, too.
4: Yeah, I don't know if I've heard anything about Bill Murray's reaction. All I know, Ernie Hudson and Dan Aykroyd were uh, both really okay with it. Yeah. Like they both really liked the the actresses. And...
5: Well, yeah, if they yeah. want to have any kind of career, what is left of it? they have to be okay with it
0: wow yeah that's true but we're not gonna go that dark we're gonna say that they're you know they're just cool with it and if you really want
4: like a good ghostbusters three like that story and the same people the video game that came out a couple years ago was really cool yeah
0: they did a good job Mm And it was kind of their unofficial three because they like, they'd always had problems making it.
4: Yeah, that oh. was that was kind of the point of the game. So, yeah,
0: well, the cool thing about that game
3: is you want to you the character you're playing in the game is supposed to be the new character that was added. Mm-hmm. So effectively, you basically become part of the movie yourself. Yeah, that's what the whole deal with that game was, which yeah. is a really cool idea. I don't know as far as like cast is concerned. I think most of them are fine. Like, I I don't like McCarthy for different reasons. I mean, had this movie that was something that I just couldn't be okay with. And as far as the rest of them, I haven't really I guess I didn't watch three of them, but she did this movie with uh Justin Bateman, and it was identity thief and i just I just can't be okay with it because I don't see how you can make that like a funny oh, it's not so b it's just hard to be a thief of identities oh, it's so hard poor poor tammy i don't I just can't do it, you know so i that's why I have a problem with her. Christian Wig's fine. I, the, other, the other two I don't know very well, but as far as like movies are concerned, I'm sure it'll be all right. And if Ernie's okay with it, then we should be okay with it. Yeah. I don't.
1: I don't recognize. I, I haven't seen a movie with McCarthy or Wig. I don't recognize the other two either.
3: Most of the ones that um, Wig and McCarthy and Wiig, Wiig and, uh, and McCarthy have been in, or like they were in a, a book called or a movie called Bridesmaids. Yeah. Um. It, Wig's been in a bunch, a bunch of other stuff too, but both of them are basically from Saturday Night Live. I mean, that's where they right. I know really Wig from, from that, but right.
1: I've never seen a movie with her in it. I've right. never seen one with McCarthy. Okay. I just don't want it to degenerate into a bunch of dick and fart jokes. You know what I mean? Like bridesmaids. No, right. be, it would be. And it actually, the so.
4: it is actually being directed and stuff by the bridesmaid person. Too. Is it really? Oh.
2: Yeah. oh.
4: <laughs> so. Oh. Let's see, see what happens.
1: But, <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. I guess we we'll just have to wait and see. Yep. I mean, I'm am okay with it. If it's all females, I don't care. Right. Um I just I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't it just doesn't seem like ghostbusters right
0: now.
5: Like you, like you said nothing would feel like it anyway. Yeah, yeah that's
0: true. It would have been nice as if they just went, "Okay, well this is a new franchise and just move it out of New York."
1: Or, yeah, or set it in San Francisco.
0: Yeah. Something like that. And then, and then, like, then, then you can
1: still have you know, the other guys cool,
4: answering the phone. And they probably won't do this. Hmm. Well, if they pull, like, a Star Trek with it. So if Dan Aykroyd shows up in it and it's, like, a parallel universe
0: or something. There's problems with your children, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's a different movie, Rob.
5: Oh. That's a different movie. Will Shatner's in there fighting aliens <laughs> for some reason.
1: <laughs> no. That ain't no ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a different nah, movie, That's Ah, you are of like
5: reservations.
4: Make your bamboo cannon. See, that's, yes. that's part of it, is <laughs> this Ghostbusters right now seems like it's pretty much straight, like, comedy. Right. And it has to have kind of that, like, sci-fi. and
1: Yeah, or mm-hmm. horror
4: elements. Yeah, it's got to yeah. have that in there, or else it's not going to be right. Yeah, that's my big thing. Is
1: straight comedy as opposed to having comedic actors in the roles. Yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Hopefully it's like that. Hopefully it's... You know Sci-fi what if that brought Rick comics. Moranis
4: back? That'd, that'd
1: be, be awesome. interesting. That'd be cool.
4: He's the only actor. It's like the same <laughs> character.
1: But... Just a crazy <laughs> old man now. <laughs> no, that, that would be pretty funny. That's the only one I would really care about seeing. Rick yeah, that'd Moranis. be cool. Huh.
0: I don't know if he'd be in it. That'd be funny, though. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I, I like the idea if they made it into like a franchise thing, like they re-put him in a different city. I do like that idea. But... I I
0: find it unlikely that will be the situation. Mm. I wonder what they're going to do with the names. Do you think they'll just do girl versions of the names? So, like. Egana? Well, Egon will probably be the same (laughs) because that's such a strange name, but like Ray, we won't. Rayanne? Maybe. Rihanna? Raya? Yeah. And then what? We got. uh, Peter Vingman? Yeah, Peter Vingman. So, Priscilla, maybe? Patsy.
4: Patrice? I kind of know if they just do their own thing. I, I agree okay. with you. That would be nice. It'd it would be was, nice if
0: they didn't do, you know... If it's a total reboot, just reboot everything. I think once we get to
1: the Winston, that's he where there's a problem. He doesn't look too super old. I think no, he can does still pull it off.
4: Moranis? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I read somewhere that he quit acting when his kid died. Yeah. Yeah, he, oh, he hasn't acted in a long time. Yeah. No. That stinks, though. It, you know, honey, I Shrunk the Ghosts? That'd be something. <laughs> hey, I think that'd probably... Put no. him in a little Pac-Man thing? uh, Yeah, I think that's like.
3: Probably
0: would be the worst thing
3: for him to do when he comes back. Genre wise, is completely out of control. Alright, so moving on from the Ghostbuster, ladies Unbreakable 2.
0: Unbreakable 2, right? Night
1: Shyamalan wants to make Unbreakable 2.
0: Now, is it just him talking, or does he have a a film. Evidently, he's pretty serious
1: about it. That's it.
3: Like, seriously, he wants to do something else. <laughs> Is that what you mean?
1: I don't know after Avatar. Don't worry, there won't be a twist. <laughs> like, in theory, you already know the twist. Oh, and uh, comic book Descender was optioned by Sony for a film. The book that's not even out by Jeff Meyer and Dustin hmm. Wynn.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, you were talking about
3: it. Last one's previews, catalog, yes.
1: So, that's, uh, that's my take, give. What
3: you got for it? Yeah. Well, um I just wanted to make a mention of this real quick. There's a during a Sundance last week they showed a premiere of a movie called Turbo Kid. Looks fantastic. Eighties awesome. And you hated so. man Borg. Man, you, this is different than that. And I didn't say I hated it. Yeah,
0: you did. No. Yeah, I, I think I didn't like You looked me
1: straight in the eye and said, <laughs> you know what? I hate whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, okay, that's true. Well, I, I wasn't talking about Manburg at the time. <laughs> I thought it was something else.
1: Well, wasn't anything specific... It's just a broad category.
3: Well, I want to cover all the bases.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Rob, you had some uh, Mortal Kombat action over there. there is, uh, there's there's a, a brand new live stream that is out now where they feature two new uh, backgrounds. But we got two new characters this uh, last couple weeks in Reptile and Ermac. So they uh, show off Ermac quite a lot in the live stream. So
3: Sweet. There was a video that Conan put out on the internet, Conan O'Brien. Uh, with, uh, gosh, uh, Marshawn Lynch. Yes. Um, and I can't remember who he's... They're playing Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Who's he playing with?
0: They're, they're trying out Mortal Kombat X. I have not seen it yet.
1: Oh, man. I can't remember who he's playing with. Did you just hear it from him? Okay.
0: <laughs> no, no, I'd, I'd seen it, and I went, Conan O'Brien's funny to watch play stuff, because I saw him playing um, Grand Theft Auto, mm-hmm. but I, I did not watch the video yet. So...
3: I can't remember who he was with. Yeah, and anyway, so check that out if you get a chance, people. Anyway, um, so let's move on to a little bit of book talky, talky books. Want to talk you about a words that the comes out your mouth? All right. <laughs> about stuff. Who wants to? <laughs> don't shake your head.
2: <laughs> Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. <laughs> Ross.
3: All right um <clears throat> so uh mike what are you reading
5: pardon me <laughs> well that's that's a lead into what, the what
0: have you been reading oh man what did i say uh, i think you questioned him uh, <laughs> you're you know, grilling
1: him pretty you, hard right and, and you know, mike
0: doesn't like it when you ask him direct <laughs> questions like, how's your steak mike and he's like what did you do <laughs> me?" <mean?" laughs> and you gotta be like oh uh, that steak looked pretty good you like a rare you want to see blood what was
1: <laughs> what was it like
5: mike
0: yeah, you, know, you have to be. You have to be. You know, you Actually, be I've been reading
5: quite a bit, um, <laughs> but it's been older, some older stuff. Uh, Curtis was kind enough to loan me a uh, Marvel Essentials Werewolf by Night Volume Two. About a third of the way through that. I couldn't find Volume One. Good luck. That crap's expensive. It's, yeah, yeah. I looked at it. It's it's up there, but uh, probably about a third of the way of that. It, it it's. Pretty good stuff. It's very, very dated. The dialogue um, when they have to split because the fuzz is going to show up. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's. You can tell it's, it's from the seventies. <laughs> but it's, it's pretty cool. It's been pretty cool. Um, I never owned anything even that far back. Some of the rare single issues that I've managed to hang on to from way back, been older, you know, later on in the run. But so it's pretty cool going back and reading the older stuff. Then I had a chance to read uh, Green Lantern No Fear, which is a, started at the beginning of Jeff Johns, right around the beginning somewhere, right after he's resurrected. Right. With some art by uh, some interesting names: uh, Carlos Pacheco, Ethan Van skyver Darwin Cook, and Simone Bianchi.
3: Right. Well, Darwin Cook, you, we we know pretty well. I mean, he's had a bunch of variant covers and.
5: Yeah. And yeah. I know Pacheco's doing some stuff from other stuff from Marvel now. Right. I
1: going to say, anybody that reads comic books is going to know those names. Oh, yeah. Yep.
5: So. Interesting. Let's see. That's how it kind of all started, because I got started way later on. I just read Blackest Night a few months ago, so I'd never right. read it before. But yeah, uh, some uh, uh, Manhunter uh, and Hector Hammond action. Right. This is right after, like I said, right after he got resurrected. So, and the and the core is not, it's not an existence. There's only like three or four Green Lanterns, and they're all Earth, like others: oh, Kyle Rayner, Guy Gardner, John Stewart, and Hal Jordan. Right. And they're just starting to, and Kilowog makes a an appearance, the best Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so no. they're just starting to, they're going to start rebuilding the core. So it's pretty cool to see the, the beginnings, some pretty good stuff. And. Uh, and I had a chance to read uh, a collected uh, trade Batman, The Bat and the Beast, which collects some old Batman confidential, <laughs> uh, written by Peter Milligan, and Andy Clark does the art. It's Batman Goes to Moscow. A lot of drug kingpins are, are you know mobsters. One of the mobsters has a, has a monster in his employ. So it, it's a pretty cool story. It's worth checking out. Um, other than that, I started reading uh, on Curtis's recommendation, uh, Five Ghosts, The Haunting of Fabian Gray. I haven't gotten too far into it. i um, gotten through like the first issue and a half. It's pretty cool.
3: Right, um, right. Image Comics and right. at this point transitioned into just just Five Ghosts. Uh, only the first volume carries the Five Ghosts of Fabian Gray title. But, yeah, um, the fact that it kept going, really pretty cool because it started out as a miniseries.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. But other than that... Um, I don't think there's been much else.
3: And you say you started Ghosted?
5: Uh, yeah, I did read Ghosted. Also from the main um, character. very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be my thing because I'm usually not into ghost stories. Right. But that was good. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Yeah, I uh, like that one too a lot, Surprising. Actually. Yeah, actually. I read that first volume. It's it's pretty cool. It's worth checking out.
3: Yeah, I, I like that one too.
5: But I like, kind of started with the Green Lantern, No Fear, because I want to go back and check out some of John's earlier stuff. Sure, yeah. Which uh, makes me want to. Well, I also read Rob loaned me the uh, Jeff Johns issue of the Flash, the Mirror Master issue. Oh, okay, yeah, that was cool. The focus just on him. That was a neat. That was cool. That makes me want to go back and read Johns Flash stuff too, which I've heard is good.
4: Yeah, so. both both his Flash and Green Lantern stuff. Um, I was telling you earlier we uh, I need to let you read Secret Origin. And One of the things Jeff Johns is kind of known for is taking lesser villains and making them into big, big bad guys. Probably the biggest example of that was Black Hand.
5: Yeah, Yeah, because he was in this story, too. He's Mm. he's a weird dude. Yeah, he
1: cultivates those
5: characters until he brings
1: them up 12, 15 issues before you even care, and then he brings them back. Well...
5: The black Ann mentions mentions blackest night mm-hmm. in this story. Ex- yeah, exactly. so, Yeah, I mean it's like he's like planning way cool. ahead.
2: Mm. Oh
4: yeah, it, it's pretty. It's pretty cool how it works. And I think
5: there's some mention of that stuff in fifty two, that yeah. series fifty two. Because he mentions some some stuff about red lanterns and mm-hmm. even, yeah, even back then. The I mean, he, but he's the one that built all the different yeah. lanterns, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Johns did, and we've we've talked about the chalkboard before. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Rip Hunter and Burst of Gold looking at a chalkboard that has all these things. Yeah, that, on yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's where that Red lantern saying "Beware the Red Lanterns" is written. And this was years before any of this was even a thing. That was in Fifty
1: Two Pickup or whatever. It was yeah, yeah Fifty Two. Blue and blue and gold.
4: And that was Jeff Johns writing that stuff yep, too. it was. That
0: <laughs> well, even even the color spectrum is an old idea that he cultivated back because that was way back in Generations Three, I think, either Alan Moore. Or, um, oh gosh, he was doing Superman for a while. Killed Damien. You know, Grant Morrison? friends. So like it was an old, old story, but they were just there and had different colors and could make constructs. And so like he dug that up even from the past and mm. brought that up to, to fruition. So
5: And fine-tuned the hell out of it.
0: Oh yeah, because they were they were like a throwaway idea.
5: Yeah, he did... Man, that was some pretty amazing stuff. And then for having just read Blackest Night not long, that long ago, I can't believe I never read that before. <laughs> well, it's kind of a... It's a big... To me, I thought it was a big undertaking, but it really wasn't.
0: That was fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's really great. well done.
5: It's great.
4: Yeah. I mean, speaking of that, I just reread Throne of Atlantis after we Mike and I saw the movie. Oh, um, all right, yeah. But in my... Throne of Atlantis trade, they have the cheetah story beforehand. And I remember reading it the first time and not being... like I thought it was oh good, but it wasn't the greatest thing ever.
5: Yeah, I wasn't overly thrilled.
4: But I think part of that was because I was so excited for Throne of Atlantis, and it was like a weird throwaway cheetah story in the middle of it. And I reread it, and holy cow, that cheetah story is actually really, really good. Yeah, it, was, it was. It references a lot of things that were happening in other books at that time too, like... Uh, they talk about Yawara from Aquaman and the Others.
3: Oh, wow. Okay.
4: Because the cheetah is the spirit of the cheetah, and Iwara is the spirit of the panther. Oh, so right. It's kind okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot yeah. of cool little references like that, and they kind of build a backstory for uh, a lot of the Justice League and D.C. stuff that you don't actually ever see, but they talk about it a lot in there. Right. And I want to say that's... Uh, I guess, no, it's more an actual Throne of Atlantis where they start talking about uh, Red Tornado and stuff in there, too. Yeah, it's a little bit later. That, that yeah. hasn't actually come through yet, but I'm sure it probably will at some point. I'm sure at
3: some point, yeah. like You can't imagine they would introduce it there and then not do anything with it. Mm.
4: So I read that, and then I've been reading uh, the Bat manga, manga by...
3: Uh, you stop over there in the back. Jiro <laughs> Kuwata. Jiro who? Kuwata. Kuwata.
4: It's really cool. I mean, it's definitely... You have to like kind of the older, cheesier Batman and kind of the older manga uh, stuff. Manga. <laughs> um, but I personally, I really, really like a lot of the older stuff like that.
3: Like Speed
5: Racer old?
4: Yeah, and that's this. the vibe is very Speed Racer meets Batman 66.
5: So, oh, Batman 66-ish.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing though is his version of Batman definitely doesn't care about killing people because <laughs> very very first story is Lord Deathman,
3: which we've seen before, yeah.
4: Yeah, and it's kind of cool because reading Batman Inc, uh, he showed up there, and it's kind of cool to see where he started. Um, but excuse me, this Lord, came
1: out in the seventies, correct?
4: Yeah. Okay. Yep. Lord Deathman is a villain that can put himself into a death-like state and then come back, basically.
3: So fake his own death by slowing his heart rate and, for all intents and purposes, appearing dead?
4: Yeah. <laughs> this he's like a fainting dope? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. But, uh... Well, Batman. There's, there's definitely <laughs> a line in there where Batman says he's gonna put him down for real this time mm. instead of... Uh, instead of fake... instead of him faking it, but... Right now I'm at, there's a story called Batman meets Dr. G- Gorilla, or Batman versus Dr. Gorilla. And it is like the craziest thing ever, but it, it's awesome.
2: <laughs>
4: it, it, that's the whole book's like that so far. It's, you have to be very open-minded to crazy sci-fi that doesn't actually make any sense at all. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really cool if you like that kind of thing.
0: The, the things happen because they do principle. Yeah. Um. I... I've been trying to figure out this name, and I cannot remember it. He was a a Japanese artist that came over, and he actually did uh, Uncanny X-Men for a little while, a couple other books. Um, There was an interview with him that I think you and I both got to go to in in California where he was talking about the challenges of posing Batman to a Japanese audience because the Japanese audience had only seen the films, and they were convinced that Batman had superpowers. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he really had to do, like, a big deal with trying to do a Japanese story that Batman doesn't have superpowers and how he focuses on detective work and this and that. So it was, like, kind of trying to work uphill mm. doing that story. Does it seem like that in the story? Or does it seem like they really got a better idea of who Batman was?
4: It seems like they have kind of an idea. Like, they're not completely onto him he definitely doesn't have superpowers he doesn't act like he does that at all but it doesn't seem like they're trying really hard to make it not seem that way too okay um yeah, i don't know how
0: well we definitely know that you know he, he doesn't mind killing i mean that was one of the things you were just talking yeah about, so. it's
4: kind of funny because they don't they just don't have they have parts of his character but definitely not all of it
0: no damn. is there an alfred
4: i haven't seen one okay Definitely definitely Robin though. Mm. And Robin acts, um, pretty much exactly like Batman sixty six Robin acts. <laughs> not, not too much difference there.
3: Perfect. Well original original Batman didn't have the problem killing either. I mean, we're talking back he when he used gun. to carry a gun. Yeah. Yeah, like the Comics original Batman stuff. Yeah. So yeah, adoption wise it's not like there's never a time when he was willing to go as far as you needed to, but our modern Batman, or anything since, I don't know, probably, gosh, maybe since '65, hasn't had that yeah. edge to him. And
4: this definitely takes place after that, too. but
2: yeah. You know,
3: it happens, I guess.
4: <laughs> yeah, it is a cool thing to check out, though, if you want something different. Cool. Kind of best way to say
3: it. <laughs> right on, right on. Mr. Curtis, what do you got on your plate over there?
1: Absolutely nothing.
3: It's because you finished eating. Yep. What were you eating before you
1: finished? Let's see. Probably in the last six months, I read Batman: Long Halloween. It's
3: good stuff, yeah. Which
1: I had never read before, hmm. and uh, that was about the time I was looking for Halloween books because it was about Halloween time, and totally different than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And then you gave me uh, the other one that is about Halloween. Oh, um, I can't remember the title. Oh shoot!
4: The Dark Victory.
1: I think that's no, it. No,
4: it's not Dark Victory. It's another one. So that's another Long
5: Halloween Oh, I know it. Yeah, I can't think of the name of it. Right, so anyway, <laughs> I find it really quick.
1: Well, yeah, Batman Long Halloween, work, it, it spans a year from Halloween to Halloween. It was just, it was good. Don't get me wrong. And Jeff Loeb's a great writer. Uh, it takes a while for me to get into uh, Tim Sale's art, but mm-hmm. in that one, it was more, I guess, like, refined. Right, detailed, not as loose as he does now, kind of, but it, it was a good story. The Halloween one's called Batman Haunted Night. That's right, that's right, and I still have to get that one. Yeah, but uh, no, it, it was good. It, it it was it's a quick read. It's not very wordy at all. It mm-hmm. relies a lot on the art, which is okay, and it's got a muted color palette. So, um, what else do I got? Didn't oh, read, I read.
5: Uh, Did you read Identity Crisis?
1: Yeah. That identity crisis, first time, and uh, that one was it was it was a trip at the end, you know what I mean? And you're building up, and you're building up, and uh, it's just no. That was a good book too. I a really lot of crazy that. stuff goes on. In oh yeah, the, There's oh, some yeah.
5: Dark, dark stuff goes on in that book.
1: That was a dark time, and it, it was it was a good book. Um, Secret War, I read that for the first time.
0: Okay, what did you think of Secret War? Oh,
1: God, I wanted to like it. I really did. It just, for the time that it was in, I've read stuff from the same time frame. Jim Shooter wrote a lot. I mean, a lot. It's kind of like uh, uh, the one you're reading, Werewolf by Night. Oh, yeah. Very, very wordy. Oh, you're talking about Secret Wars? Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like it was, I don't know, it seems like it was kind of intended for a younger audience, and there was a lot... To oh yeah, explain. there's a lot going on because, of course, that was because of the uh, action figures.
3: Well, yeah, the action figure run kind of fueled that being a thing.
1: Yeah, but when you read that and you read something else from that same time period, totally different. And I don't know about if Jim Shooter was just doing that to do it, but I heard he had like a stranglehold on that book, <laughs> and things were the way he was going to have it done. Right. So, but it it was okay, uh, very dated, as it were, but. There are some things you just can't... You have to wrap your mind around or suspend your belief even more than you would so reading a comic book. And uh, it wasn't it, it wasn't—it terrible, but it wasn't really my cup of tea. Um, I read Infinity Gauntlet for the first time. Oh, okay. I enjoyed that tremendously, yeah. but it's Jim Starlin, so... Uh, I also picked up Warlock, but I haven't got into that yet. A little trade for oh, okay, yeah. Jim Starlin's Warlock. I've read the first few pages and that seems a little wordy for that time but there's a lot of story for people to understand who warlock was and why they should give a crap at that point
3: well yeah i mean being a new character in that time frame because it's not like he had a huge batch of past Mm -hmm. and like explaining him in general is kind of crazy it's
1: it's hard yeah it's very hard
3: Uh, recently trying to do it because of the crazy cameos of the cocoon in the back of the most recent marvel movies catches at the end yeah, trying to explain that to Morlock, kind of hard.
1: Mhm, mm-hmm. Well, it's going to be hard to explain uh, Captain Marvel in the movie universe without, you know what I mean? So yeah,
0: my guess is we won't explain Captain Marvel at all. <laughs> Carol will get hit by some alien ray, and boom, she's Captain Marvel. No Kree involved? And Doubt it. Yeah, it'll just be, it'll, it'll be strange to watch that, but... I, there might be a Kree involved, maybe she'll get, you know, like some Kree will be shot in front of her, and she'll get Kree juice on her, and boom. <laughs> she's she's Captain Marvel. They may do it like the animated, where she she winds up being protected by a Cree soldier who happens to be called Marvel, and and she gets her powers that way. But I, my guess is we will never see classic Captain Marvel in in the cinema universe.
1: Well, aren't the Kree owned by Sony, Fox, wherever?
0: Uh, I don't think so. I think the
3: scroll is. Skrulls are part of the X Men franchise, the way we understand it. Oh, Fantastic Four, isn't it? No,
1: yeah, well Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four. Yeah. And the Shi'ar is, I, is the Shiar part of v- X Men. X Men, and I think the Kree are owned by them too.
3: I think the Kree are kind of more open, f- open market. Okay. I
1: don't
3: because yeah, at this point they've, they appear, they appeared they are part of the Inhumans, which is definitely a Marvel. Yep, they were movie as part of the thing. Avengers. Oh yeah, they are part of the Avengers.
0: They actually do call, um, running the Accuser a Kree. So yeah. the Kree is is oh, a part of the right. Marvel Universe. Oh, I did not uh, so. think that. Um, what else? I read
1: Ghosted too. Right. I didn't have high hopes for that book because it just didn't appeal to me at the time. But then Barry sent me the first two trades. Oh, nice, yeah. I enjoyed it. It's Joshua Williamson who weird is going to be writing the next Secret Wars. So.
3: Dude's getting around. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's really making rounds from like nowhere. Which is kind of awesome.
1: Remember that cover that you posted with uh, Supergirl and uh, Damien? Yeah, the Halloween issue. That was Joshua Williamson wrote that. Oh, really? Yeah. That's crazy. So, well, anyway, back back to comic books. Com- hmm. What else did I read? <laughs> uh, I picked up a trade called Red Knight with a K. Uh, it's by Justin Cristelli. It was originally Indiegogo. Oh, it's from... Primal Paper comics, I want to say. Um, It looks fantastic. I just haven't had time to read it. Uh, You can probably Google Red Knight comic, and you can go to, like, a Facebook page and get some information on that. I don't know because I don't have Facebook, so I'm not certain what's on there. But, uh, no, I've read a, a number of other books, but I just can't recall. Nothing that's, you know, stayed in my brain. Sure. So. That's
0: all right. Um, Rob, I have I have a lot of books because I read a lot of a lot of books. So I'm going to go through really fast and like try not to spend a lot of time on them. But uh, I did Superman 22, which is uh, pretty close to the beginning of Hive War, where we see Hector Hammond fighting against the Hive Brood Queen during the whole Cy War storyline. Which if you even if you're not a Superman fan, that is a fantastic time to check out the Superman books. Um, I think it starts around 20, and it continues up to about 25, 26. Uh, Jonah Hex, 22, which is Jonah Hex in the modern era, where he immediately gets took into Arkham Asylum and locked up, and he has to kind of, like, prove that he's actually Jonah Hex. Okay, right, yeah, right, yeah, I remember that. Fantastic time period. Really, really well done. And then uh, Batman the Dark Knight, 22, which is where they're really building Clayface out to be an incredible new threat. It's, uh, it's after the whole time period where we found out he'd become basically like a skinwalker where he was able to copy so completely that he would get memories. And in this case he becomes like a mastermind robbing jewelry stores and he actually winds up posing as Commissioner Gordon for a little bit to try to discredit his career. Fantastic story. Um, Multiverse packs, Pax. Um, Pax Americana. Which, you know what? I, I thought it was going to be bigger than it was. I guess. But I... It was a good story. I just, you know, I don't know. I guess I geared that, myself up too high. That one was really cryptic.
1: It felt like it felt like it, was it feels like the time. Yeah, exactly. No. And that's what uh, Alan Moore wanted for the Watchmen was the Charlton heroes. Yeah, and that's exactly. kind of what we got or what it would look
0: like. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what it felt like we just got. But, my God. Uh, I think
5: that one takes a few... I think that takes a... Uh, you need to go through it. Like a couple reads? Yeah. Maybe. And the panel spread in that book is crazy. The yeah. artwork is
0: fantastic. Yeah. And they really did do some crazy stuff with the panel spread. If you've ever needed to see somebody get shot in reverse or slow motion and have their jaw explode, that's the book to go to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I was expecting too much. Uh, but then I read Batman and Robin 36, which is uh, Batman gets to fight Caliban in the uh, the Hell armor and like rip out his dreadlocks. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's a great, great story. And everybody's, of course, in the, the Robin uniforms except for Cyborg.
4: It's crazy that Cyborg was part of that whole thing. I, w- <laughs> I would have never expected that, look, looking at the previews and stuff from beforehand. Right. That's cool though.
0: I love he was there. I just wish he would have, you know, gotten to shine a little bit more, but you know, eh, whatever. Then the Spider-Verse, I guess team number 1. Well, a lot of people were kind of down on this book, but I actually really love Lady Spider, the uh, steampunk spider that yeah, showed up in that awesome. story. The rest, the rest of the book was okay, but that that story was awesome. Yeah, it was neat. Uh, Death Vigil number 5, which Death Vigil continues to be phenomenal. It's a fantastic read. Um, there's not a whole lot that you can tell about it without, like, spoiling stuff. But that book is phenomenal. And that five especially has a lot of secrets. Um, Trinity Sin number one and two, which was a, a pretty neat little take. It's a, we're having a, like, a dark world. So a world that existed before God made the sun. Showing up and was trying to reclaim Earth. And the Trinity of Sin wound up being kind of on the center of the battlefield for that. Uh, Avengers number 30 which is uh, dealing with Jonathan Hickman's... Um, this one focuses a lot on Sunspot's plan to try to bring the Renegade portion of the Avengers and the S.H.I.E.L.D. portion of the Avengers back together and not just waste time with all that war against each other. Um, New Avengers actually ties in because we've been missing Iron Man for most of these issues. Nobody knows where he's at. Well, he's been locked in this uh, this cage by um, Black Swan. And he he's so arrogant at this point in in his life, in this point of the story, where he's superior Iron Man, that he can't even admit that he's made bad decisions. And it winds up being Black Widow and and Spider-Woman that are there to kind of free him. And because he can't even see that he's ever done anything wrong, they leave him. Which winds up being a big part of that story, I think. Uh, Futures in number 29. And I actually did Futures in 30 as well. But um, 29, we get the new Firestorm in that story. Um, which is building up to from they've been building that for a while, um, and actually I think thirty is where we see Big Barda rip Slade's head off. <laughs> it was a fantastic issue. Uh, unfortunately, we also see probably Barda die, but we do get to see her fight Power Girl, and it devolves to a point where they're just pulling hair. It's fantastic. Uh, let me see Earth Two. Uh, Issue 7, with uh, all the Superman clones and Dasad trying to get um, Huntress to join his Furies. He's even made, like, a special Huntress uniform for her. Uh, Batman 36, where we find that the Joker has been in disguise working at Arkham Asylum for a while now. Or at least, the guy posing as the Joker. I don't know. But, uh, freaking crazy. Ends with a huge cliffhanger. Uh, witches number two, where we're starting finding out about the pledges and the kind of creatures in the woods. Uh, Green Lantern number 33, where we find out the Fatal is a Dabrillion, and she winds up eating one of the Molten people, so she becomes all-powerful, kind of. Nuts story, too. Uh, Superwoman and... Or I'm sorry, Superman and Wonder Woman, <laughs> annual number one, dealing with the whole Doom storyline. This is actually Doomed part three, where we're starting to see Superman and Doomsday's psyche battling inside of Superman's head, and Super like Doomed Superman is pretty much like the ultimate frat boy and just like trying to use reverse psychology on Superman to make him like give in his control. It was awesome. Then uh, Green Lantern, the New Guardians, number thirty six, uh, where Kyle is foolish enough to give up his ring to the high father in the whole God's Head storyline, which winds up being a huge mistake been pretty, pretty cool. Uh, Supergirl number 36, where we're finding out that Supergirl has come back and she's like trying to restart her own life just as a regular human. So like this is the first time she's actually tried to fit in in the world. And we also find out that there's a superhuman school out there in space that wants to take her in. And Supergirl gets blue nail polish, which she keeps for a while. (laughs) Which I know probably not that important, but when you're reading the comics, it really sticks out. Uh, Gotham by Midnight number one. Uh, it's actually kind of really exactly what you think it would be with, with that artist and the writer team that's on it. It's it's pretty neat. It's not going to probably feature Batman very much, but definitely kind of a creepy feel. Batman Eternal, number 34, which is Hush pretty much getting unmasked and battling Batman in his own like perverted Batman suit. It was a pretty, it was a pretty crazy story. Uh, Superman 36, where we're dealing with uh, this other Superman-style hero on Earth. And his whole deal about uh, how he's going to take, you know, the first thousand people to this perfect world in the fifth dimension. And we kind of find out that, like, to have a perfect world, there has to be a price. Although they kind of leave us on edge what that price is. Uh, Daredevil number 28, where we have uh, a story where Daredevil has to reluctantly help somebody that used to bully him when he was a kid. We wind up finding out that he was a part of the Serpent Society, which evidently no one quits the Serpent Society. We find out that the Judge was a secret Serpent Society... Uh, member, and uh, things go really bad, really fast. So It was a great issue for Daredevil. of uh, them. Suicide Squad number 22, where um, we have this kind of big showdown in Las Vegas. The important thing is, after the giant falls, King Shark climbs upon him and says, Imperious Shark. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> there was sim- what was that? that was Suicide Squad number 22. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Relance of the New Guardians, number 33. We find out whatever happened to the missing guardian. Action Comics, number 21. Lex Luthor makes his first big attack on Superman in regular comics uh, for the new 52. Team 7, number 8. Winds up being the last book. Lots of crazy stuff happens in there. Mr. Majestic crashes stuff up, but we don't really know whatever happens to him. Uh, Archer and Armstrong, number 10, where we first go over to the faraway, which is a fantastic issue, too. Uh, catwoman number 22 the death of rat tail where we're seeing like an open warfare between the penguin and catwoman where like cities or city blocks are being like bombed with missiles it's pretty crazy uh, Infinity Man number 6 where we get to have badge box and um i think it's Selex form a giant dark side robot and badge goes i'll form the head that's cool. Fantastic. Not only the awesomeness Wait. of that, but later in the issue, Badge is talking to the in- to the new gods in disguise, which winds up being a bright green trench coat and floppy pimp hat.
4: Is Badge like squirrel? Yes.
0: Badge? Badge is a squirrel lantern.
4: That's awesome.
0: Which which is just corporeal. It's just floating. So he's in the middle of a restaurant with a fake trench coat with fake hands, his little raccoon, you know, squirrel self with a big floppy pimp hat. That's cool. That was his undercover disguise. It was fantastic. Book was awesome. <clears throat> uh, the Legion of Superman, uh, superheroes number twenty-two, the end of the Fatal Five, first story arc, which was nuts. It was pretty good. Uh, Phantom Stranger number twenty-two, basically Phantom Stranger facing off against God for the soul of his friendless angel. Where they just kind of completely go out and say like, oh yeah, this dog, yeah, that was probably God the whole time. Um, She-Hulk number seven, the Ant-Man um, adventure, which is actually like really really well done, it winds up being mostly them fighting in the backyard. Uh, Legendary star Lord number two, where we encounter Mister Knife. So if you're not reading Legendary Story Lords, you really need to pick it up. It's a fantastic book. Our Commander number two, uh, where you know just the deep, the mission just keeps de- deepening. You know, There's a lot of stuff coming up in that book. Aquaman and the Others, number four and five, where we get um, Volstock back, and we find out a lot more secrets about the, the gold items, along with another guy who was uh, the ancestor that the, the gold bricks were stole from, that made all the items. So, like, oh, okay. lots of cool stuff in there. And then the last one I'm really going through is the Avengers versus Thanos trade paperback, which takes you all the way back to, like, the 60s and 70s and Starlin's writing. It bounces around a ton, so you're getting a lot of, like, Captain Marvel stuff, a lot of Iron Man stuff, and then, like, Thing team-ups. And then Daredevil and the, and the Black Widow, which, here's a great trivia question for you. What was Moondragon originally called? I doubt anybody would guess Mrs. McEvil. And <laughs> yeah, what? Mrs. McEvil. Yeah, I would never guess that. Yeah, no, totally ridiculous.
3: Uh, yes.
0: But we also get Isaac in there, which is unlike the love boat itself. Isaac in the love boat? Hey, in love boat? No. <laughs> yeah. Unlike him, he winds up being a uh, robot with a disco pajama suit. Which you can see, like, rhinestones and suns and stars <laughs> and stuff in. You also get um, the monitor and Star Fox. And like, they were, like, a total thing all built around Thanos before Thanos became like the big juggernaut that he that he is later. Anyways, those are all the books I have. Just kind of a few books, sorry. Yeah, alright.
3: <laughs> Man, okay, well I'll follow with something short and easy. Uh, so Manifest Destiny from uh, Image uh, I never gave it a chance when it first started. I mean, we got the first issues, and I was like, this is stupid. Read it. It's awesome. Like, uh, round issue 7 now. Um, I like that one a lot. Ghosted, of course, because I think I was the only one reading it at first. Like it, like it. Um, as far as series are concerned, uh, I went back and I did. I actually read part of Atomic Robo Volume 2 um, the other night, and I forgot how good that was. It's been a while since I read just the Robo stuff.
5: Speaking of Atomic Robo, yeah. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I'd heard uh, it's going. It's web going comic. Yes, when web makes comic So
3: sad.
1: Oh well, well they
3: will probably we get, collect it. We get to Eventually, enjoy the yeah. trades. So, yeah.
1: hopefully so. Oh well, I'm, I'm guessing it didn't have the audience.
3: Yeah, you know, maybe it just didn't come out often enough, and maybe because when they did Real Science Adventures, instead of being Atomic Robo Adventures, it was just random adventures. They weren't bad, but they had nothing to do with the Robo, really. I mean, occasionally random ones did, but... I
1: mean, that was trying to channel the old school anthology books. Yeah, man. Well, you know what I mean?
3: We've seen that happen in DC and Marvel both, and you know what happens with those books? Uh oh, canceled.
0: Well, and I'd it, probably help if there was a few more books coming out from, from Red 5.
3: I, I don't think so, man. I do. If they had six more books coming out. It wouldn't if, be any if better if they
1: put their name out there more. Oh, than maybe just okay. One book a month. All right, I'll give you that. If yeah. that, yeah. People forget, man. That's true. People yeah. are stupid. It just sounds like the the downgrade of Red Five or the degeneration of Red Five is going to happen.
3: Yeah, it's unfortunate. So now maybe Robo will land someplace else if that winds up being the case because everything else has been miniseries. And granted, most of the Robo books that's how they're set up too. So there are you know five six parts and that's a trade.
1: But Red Five did put out some good books. Like yeah, well, Zone, yeah, we kill monsters. Yeah, uh, they did do some good stuff. Oh, I'm not it's saying just, they didn't. I, right, it's just not the what you need. You need right. a, You need your name out there and you need it monthly.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough because there's so many small companies anymore. Right. Well, I guess they all can't be Avatar. <sighs>
3: yeah, thank God. <laughs> Man, <laughs> uh, there's got
0: to be a market for it somewhere.
1: <laughs>
0: I can't guess.
1: Um.
0: yeah, that's all. That's it. A crossover between Crossed and Atomic Robo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Although, Man. people would be really impressed with Atomic Robo. he yeah. You'd be, like, just slaughtering fools left and right and <laughs> making <laughs> jokes and, like, constantly looking at you as the audience and being like, I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. And it would be awesome. I mean, we're going <laughs> to...
1: Dr. Dinosaur. He's one of the best characters in comics. I'm not going to Yeah, lie. he's pretty awesome. awesome. Uh, I don't
5: know. I that reminds me, something else I read. Uh-oh. I ran across one of the best characters in comics, mm. Battle Beast. Oh, I've, definitely. I've been uh, reading some of the Invincible stuff again. Curtis's recommendation—that stuff is good.
0: Mm. There was there was one that we both forgot. Uh, I I didn't put it on my incredibly stupid long list, but Apocalypse. Oh right. Yeah, I read over the whole the whole batch again just this week, and yeah, that book series is fantastic. So if you haven't taken a chance on it, take a chance on it or ask your provider to get it for you.
3: Speaking of which, we actually have an interview from uh, the writer of Apocalypse, um, Mr. Jonathan Hennessy.
2: Uh, Well,
0: we're Top 5 Comics, and this is CBS with Steve, and I'm Rob, and we're talking to...
6: Jonathan Hennessy, the uh, writer and creator of Apocalypse from uh, new player on the block, Legendary Comics.
0: Yeah, Legendary, which is pretty awesome to see them in, in the ring. I was going to ask about that. How has it been working
6: with Legendary? Well, uh, Legendary's been, they've been terrific to work with. Uh, Bob Shrek is the editor. He's kind of a, he's kind of a, a major player with a long history in comics you know, worked at at DC, has edited a a lot of great books and worked with some major talent. And he, so I've come from, it's so, my career took this strange track because Apocalypse is this sort of uh, baby of mine that I was trying to get published for years and years. And, uh, took so many different routes to try to get it going, including, like, stalking Bob Shrek and other people like him, like, at cons. Like, I've been that guy, as I imagine, like, most of your readers have. And, like, nothing happened with it. I mean, it got very close, actually, with Vertigo at one point. Oh. But Vertigo had some creative notes. They it wasn't quite... The p- project wasn't in a place that was uh, that was... That they were willing to take a gamble on. So, of course... You know, I am forever in debt to Bob Shrek for willing to take a gamble on it. But having Apocalypse, having like a spec issue, which I'd produce to show to people, like having that out there, sort of a fiction comic, in a weird way, led to my sort of breaking into the industry, kind of, in nonfiction comics in like 2008 with my... uh, my comic book, my graphic novel adaptation of the whole U.S. Constitution. And because then, that's, and then that sort of pegged me as the as a nonfiction guy. And it was very hard to make my way back into fiction comics. So Legendary was willing to take a risk. They, they were, had a lot of, you know, very fair concerns like, does this guy know how to write characters? Like, does this guy know how to write dialogue? Can this guy sustain a story over any period of time? Because those nonfiction books have a couple little vignettes in there, but not something you'd really, I could see any editor reasonably thinking like, can this guy or can't this guy handle a narrative work?
3: Well, sure. The, the difference between the two is working on like U.S. Constitution, well, it, it already exists, so it's not creating, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's Nice, adapting. convenient
6: public domain document, yeah.
3: Well, right, and I, I know, I guess maybe that would be the difference between the two, so I, I can see what you mean by... An editor wanting, wondering about whether can and will versus uh, doing. So uh, yeah, I can, I can see that being an interesting thing. And I don't know Bob's he he's done a, co- a lot of good things with Legendary actually. And they yeah. so as far as like books are concerned, a uh, majority of the stuff that comes out from there that we wind up carrying, it, the guys they seem to like it a lot. So
6: cool. Yeah, I mean they've it's definitely interesting. It's an interesting case subject and trying to get like an indie line going anyway because, uh, you know, they've had a couple of – they had some big rollouts of big graphic novels, you know, early on, and they've had a couple of monthly books, but they're still considered like – even though they have like – even though they have Mark Wade and they have, uh, you know, other very big names on some of those books, Morrison and so on, I mean there's still a lot of stores that won't touch – you know, won't, won't touch legendary stuff, or it's just completely off off the radar. I mean, three, two out of the three retailers that I'm closest to, uh, don't stock any of those titles. Wow! And so, Le- but Legendary is this huge company with this, you know, these enormous franchises in the movie world, and so it'll be, you know, and but still for them, like 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 competing with DC, Marvel, uh, you know, Dark Horse, Image is. Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting case study.
3: Well, yeah, I think uh, there's a fair amount of, with stores in general, comic book shops, uh, there's a fair amount of them that go off whatever the top 100 sellers are, and yeah. they kind of let that drive the boat for them, because they know there's a following for Spider-Man, they know there's a following for Superman, for Batman, which makes sense, I mean, that's what it is, and that's fine. I don't know, I guess maybe the way we take it, we were kind of... Before we opened the store, um, we we were always kind of into indie stuff anyway. Like I read a lot of image stuff, uh, a lot of, uh, man, I used to look for EC comics back when Marvel had its other, other imprint that wasn't still Marvel, but you know back then it didn't seem like the same thing. And like as far as books are concerned, I think because of that, we probably carry a vast majority of different stuff just as a company, which I know is fewer and far between compared to everything else because we're really small. Like we're not a very big store. Right, but I don't know. I guess maybe it's just I, things that we. I guess maybe we're both still readers. I guess. Yeah, I mean, and I, s- I salute
6: you again because <laughs> yeah, the pressures to keep a keep a retail place open in almost any market. Right. You know, I live I live inside Greater Los Angeles, and we, there's no there's not a real shortage of retailers here. But I'm sure there. They're struggling all the time, and it must be great in a place like where you guys are to be the only game in town. But I salute anybody who was willing to take a chance on any of the legendary books, particularly mine, because, you know, because you face you face those pressures and you can only afford so much inventory.
3: Sure. Well, yeah, I'm I'm happily to say like your book's done really well here. Actually, like I fairly very pleased with it like the art in general i guess what i originally originally going through previews and i saw it it was it was initially the the look of the helmets that i was like this looks awesome (laughs) great and we've got i have
6: very little to do with that that's all that's all mr shane davis
3: right right well i mean shane's a fantastic artist he's done i'm lots of stuff for dc and i mean he's been around for a minute so he's he's a fantastic artist but that definitely was what originally caught my eye Um, But as far as, like, continuing the book, is because of the writing. And I think – so there's uh, five or six of us that sit in on the show usually, Mm -hmm. and a a lot of us have the same tastes uh, just in general. But, yeah, as far as, like, a book that – even a couple of guys that didn't originally start it, at this point now they're getting it. So – that's pretty good, I guess, because we got a couple. Of hey, like- I'll
6: take it. Th- thank you for doing whatever you can to push <laughs> it. I mean, it was it was uh, super gratifying when when it rolled out on uh, November nineteenth last year to see that it made your podcast in the in the first place. And from a creator's point of view, I was uh, back east for Thanksgiving and downloaded your podcast and was like driving around these cold, rainy streets of Plymouth, Massachusetts, picking up. Uh, take out fish and chips and listening to your podcast and saying, Oh, someone likes it!" Awesome. <laughs> right on. <laughs>
3: well, yeah, that, that's cool. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you heard it, man. Like, I, I don't know, as far as set up in general, like when I first, I don't know, after we've read the first issue, I was like, well, who is this guy? You know? And so I started looking around trying to see what else she would worked on. And that that's a little bit why I know about the other couple, like the U S constitution stuff. The only reason we can know about those at all is because of that, because they're not generally what I would wind up reading. Just right. because of what they are. Sure. And time-wise, we opened back in 2009, so it was way before I was going through the previous catalog, like through every single page.
6: Yeah, and those other, those, those other the, the non-fiction books I've done have been, I've sort of had the good luck slash bad luck in a way to have them published by traditional book publishers who don't understand the comics market, and I'm not even, and I hadn't worked with, with Diamond before, so... It was easy to find these books in like your Barnes and Noble and like right. your Borders, which I think still existed then. You but did, <laughs> yeah. Not so much, not so much in the uh, in the in the in the comic book retailer world.
3: Okay, well that makes sense. There's very few things that might have shown up in through Diamond that are Random House related, so yeah. or any regular publisher really. I mean, there's a few magazine venues, but not not a lot of uh, what I would consider to be normal print options. Really, I guess. I mean, there's a few of them in there, but not a lot. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, like, as far as uh, Apocalypse, do, do you is there a uh, as far as series length is concerned? At this point, are we toting is an ongoing, depending on how things run, or is it like uh, is it doesn't it have an end in sight, or is it? Uh, I
6: will guess. Well, one of the things I, one of the things that that made uh, Mr. Shrek take a gamble on it in the first place was that it it is. Uh, sort of epic in scale, but definitely builds to a definitive ending. And the ending is where, as you guys know as fans, where so many things can go wrong. And I'm, and I'm not here to say that things <laughs> won't go wrong with this one necessarily, because you never ask an encyclopedia salesman if you need encyclopedias. But True. <laughs> one of one of the virtues of toiling in obscurity for many years is that I got to develop this and develop this and develop this constantly rewriting it trying to get it somewhere and in all that time i had enough eureka moments to st- to to style the whole story to where it will have a definitive ending now i'll tell you what my ambitions are my ambitions are for there to be enough material there for like five or six trades and then it will come to a definitive end a definitive end that will like unlike lost or unlike a lot of other you know bigger stories out there that I I think will be satisfying, that will leave people thinking, but not leave people guessing. Right, okay. It's very easy as a, because not only, you know, I've been trying to be a writer for many years, but one of my other uh, jobs was I was a uh, professional reader for Hollywood. So that means that I was reading screenplays, stage plays, books, graphic novels for various production companies. And for many years, like, never did, got to do, like, any leisure reading at all because I was paid to read because, uh, you know, why do we have so many bad movies? Because a lot of people in positions of power in Hollywood can't read, don't read, won't read. They'll hire some, some, some gal or guy to do it for them. And so you, it's very, so you, one trend that's very easy to see after you've read a lot of conceptual stuff. And I was in this business long enough. For like you know, for example, like when the Matrix came out, everybody wanted all the other studios like wanted their Matrix. Everybody wanted some big, high-concept thing, and people were going gangbusters looking for it. And you realize after a time, like all these other things, like uh, Vanilla Sky, for example, was a, was an, an example. Like it's very easy to raise a lot of questions, you know, in a horror, in a horror book, in a sci-fi book. And anything like that. And it's much harder to pay them off. And it's much harder to make them all coherent. And that's why things just, that's one of the challenges of of world building, of, of storytelling is to you know how to bring bring things to an end. And Apocalypse, if you stick with it, I guarantee you will pay off. We'll leave all these questions uh, answered.
3: Cool. Bro, well, so far it's doing great. So as far as that goes, I mean, we're only three issues in at this point, but at the same time, it, it's it's fairly interesting, and the questions that are still there, and a the little bit of explanation into like whenever I read your email, um, I got probably the first second email I got from you that told me to wait till after two, and I'm like okay, and we got to number two, I'm like holy crap, <laughs> all right, so, uh,
6: yeah, two is a two is an I'd call it kind of an an important like uh, anchor issue, you know, I I think um this is this is interesting, I think I I I think apocalypse could possibly be fairly criticized for a li- the issue the the, the little chunk of narrative that we get in issue one happens like almost in real time it's pretty much a uh, a sort of police raid scenario and there's not a ton of characterization and, the, and there's not a there's not any flashbacks and you know if that was a movie scene it would probably be about eight or nine minutes and um uh, it's you know, and you don't you you are hopefully leave with a lot of questions because it is kind of a novel scenario, like, you know, who are these people? What is going on? Why does this calendar say year fourteen? Why is everyone going ape crap over a hidden <clears throat> microwave oven? And then people start talking about, you know, their home times and so forth. So it's meant to sort of play out like a Twilight Zone episode, but I chose that to try to raise a lot of questions, and I do think it reads it left some people thinking. Well, what am I? What am I supposed to hang on to here? Like, who are I need a little bit more of the character to to get involved. So, I, you know, a- arguably, it was maybe not the right move. So I would have. So I think issue two is you know gets right into who those people are, grounds you immediately. So it was an experiment, and you know it's up to you guys to tell me whether it paid off or not.
3: <laughs> well, I think the, I, I would say the first one did, for sure, because like after the first issue, generally speaking, we order a fair amount of, in book ordering, order whatever we order for it, and then we have certain people read that genre, and we let them kind of go through it and decide if they want to try to keep getting it, especially with everything being two months out. So admittedly, we ordered less of number two, and since then have had to order more of number two in order to meet the demand for it. That's terrific. So, I mean, that's good.
0: Yeah, <laughs> just in that general. That is good. Now, I, I'd kind of, I, I read another article and there was this thing in here that was really fascinating to me, and so I'm going to try to see if I can pose it again. Um, what was
6: the inspiration for this this story? It was a, the story was kind of in, a couple of different things, but it basically had to do with. Um, it was a story kind of inspired by architecture in a way. I, I'm from outside. I grew up outside Boston, and uh, I did wind up going to college, and I wound up going to college in upstate New York in Syracuse. So about halfway between my hometown and Syracuse is the capital of New York State, Albany, which is you know not considered by many to be a, a very exciting place, and and. You know, in some uh, for a history buff, there's a little bit more there for you, but there's not a lot of tourists flocking to Albany necessarily. But every once in a while, I would stop there. And so their state capital, obviously New York's a very old state, and they have this, you know, beautiful old school capital. But by the 40s, they were kind of outgrowing it. And they wanted to build a huge expansion of the, of the, of the, uh, the, the legislature's offices, just all the various offices of state. And they, you know, these were times it was like after World War II and the United States was on top and people were very looking forward to the future. So they had an idea, let's build like an extremely progressive, forward-looking, huge complex of buildings to, you know, to capture this time and to capture the, uh, the, the glory and ambition that is the Empire State. So they wound up building this huge complex called the, uh, it's called Rockefeller Plaza and they you know they've designed it in the 40s built it in the 50s and you know they they've knocked down like tons of historical that just gutted entire neighborhoods to make oh, this thing happen and it's a little and now you and so my, the first time i ever walked through there um, you, I, you get this sense that you're in some future that never happened because it's literally a stand it's like a standing Tomorrowland set of a like an early 1950s version of the future that like never took place. And it's like, you know, almost a little bit like, you know, touring the sets of that, you know, great silent film Metropolis or something. It's not necessarily that exciting looking. It's not Art Deco architecture. It's all it's what they sort of call paleo futuristic architecture. It almost looks like soviet block it's a lot of it's a lot of angles it's a lot of buildings that look cloned from each other it's like this miniature city and i i just felt like i am standing in some place that is like completely out of time <laughs> and then there was so i sort of combined that with this sort of you know daydreaming experiment that an old sweetheart of mine did when we lived in new york city was sort of to imagine like what if the what if the what if new york city was to change times with the temperature so if it's like 70 degrees it's 1970 if it's 30 degrees it's nine, and having everything around change and somehow those two ideas got put together and gave me like the shell of the idea of apocalypse of like you know how i imagine like how would we bring about this weird looking future that never happened like how could we explore a vision of the future that people from the past had that isn't necessarily. This was before steampunk and and everything like that. So it's a, just a different alternative, grittier, darker take than uh, like a like a like a steampunk or Victorian or you know the various other right. similar takes on that. Yeah,
3: sure. Mentioning Mitch, Mitch, Metropolis, like whenever. So again, when I saw the helmets that, that Sean did, and I was like, "That's the awesomest thing in the world!" I automatically thought of that movie. Interesting. And I, I don't know if it's because of the way Maybe because the way her, her her head looks in there, or maybe mm-hmm. it was the I don't know I'm I'm not exactly sure why I thought that. Uh, maybe it's the antennas, but I thought that movie,
6: right? <laughs>
3: and I'm like, this looks freaking awesome. Anyway, yeah what I
6: told <laughs> what I told Shane was that that uh, that my concept was for to emulate like early '60s science fiction, early '70s science fiction, like the kind of stuff that I saw. When I was a little kid, like like Logan's Run and Space Nineteen Ninety Nine and Soylent Green, and I think you see a little bit of, of that. But but you know, Shane knew what who what he was doing, and a lot of you know, I, of course, he gets the credit for a lot of the a lot of the designs, and he, I. Couldn't speak to exactly what you know inspirations and sources that he drew on, but I you know when you look at the guns for example, you you definitely see something a little Buck Rogers is <laughs> yeah. Flash Gordonish, much more sort of 30s than 60s and 70s, but you know and, and uh, it's all this. I'm completely happy with it Excellent. regardless
0: of... Right. The other thing was uh we had already talked about this a little bit that you you were actually actively pitching this story for a long time before it got done. Now how how long were you? Looking to get this done, and you said that you had a mocked-up
6: version of of like the first issue. Whatever happened to that? You that is. I mean, well, what happened with it? It was. Uh, I was on a sh- sort of a shoestring budget when I was looking around for an artist because I had the idea. I was looking for an artist to actually, you know, draw the script, and I was going. So this would probably be like in two thousand four, two thousand five. And I was going to sites like Pencil Jack and I was like combing through DeviantArt and a lot of like, you know, Internet 1.0 sites, like some of some of which that still exist and some that don't. And it was important. It was important to me. Like I had done a short film in the late 90s that I directed, um, not comic book related in any way. But a lot of people worked for worked for free on that. Like I used to work professionally in film both here in Los Angeles and where I used to work in in Austin, Texas, and actually this was a movie that I shot this on you know on film. That's telling you how long ago it was. Wow. Okay. On super sixteen millimeter film, and a lot of very talented people worked on it, and worked on it for a pittance or next to nothing. And the common wisdom was that you get to do that once, you know, <laughs> like, uh, and I t- really took that to heart. So I needed to find somebody that I could pay, and I wanted. And I, so I had a real budget, but I didn't necessarily have the budget for inks and colors. So I found, you know, the guy who I've done many collaborations with since, Aaron McConnell, did this did this first sort of uh, spec issue of Apocalypse, which is then called Synchrony City. And because I couldn't afford, this, it was a, it was a balance between wanting to do something that would get attention and also um, and not feeling like I had enough money to ask him to do colors, that we went up with a uh, sort of a sepia tone, not exactly a black and white tone, but it was mostly sepia tone with a few select objects that were different colors or full color. Like the, the, in this early version of, of Synchrony City or of Apocalypse, the anachronisms were all different full color or different colors. Okay. And it was an experiment that I think looks good. But isn't, you know, when you combine the experiment of the, of the whole story concept with the artwork with an unknown writer, I think it wound up not being something that would mass appeal to budget conscious editors. So, but you can still see this. You can see this um, actually on my website. You can see the, the, 20, the 24, 26 pages on my website on jonathanhennessy.com.
3: Oh, all right. What's the it's
6: in, it's got a very interesting look. It's very different. It's 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 looks a little bit more like an 80s horror comic, I would say. And uh, you know, it's it's interesting. It's arguably should have gone in more of a science fiction direction. Like maybe it gave a sense that the book was neither fish nor fowl in a way. <laughs> um, it's beautiful, beautiful work by Aaron. Um, I but the the problem was finding an editor who found who you know who.
3: It's all We'd, the same way. We find that
6: appropriate for sure. the story,
3: yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I'll have to let the guys know about that because well, I'm sure when they hear this, they will. Because I, I was interested. In, I, I had read something about the synch, synch, synchronicity city. Yeah, the way it was that's hi- another hyphenated problem. The the no one knew
6: quite knew how to pronounce that. Right.
3: So. Well, and it's a cool name and the whole play on words is cool because the city being hyphenated at the end. You have to see it written to know that though because just saying yeah. it and people would assume that you're not saying it right. Right, but yeah, I I was interested to know if there was a place you could see that, or if it, if at some point when a trade gets put out, if you were going to include any of that stuff in the trade depending on what Legendary wants to do with it. I mean, I guess ultimately that's probably something that they would have to decide. But it, I don't know; it'd be interesting to see it. So I'm glad to know there's a place to do that. We have to look yeah, it up. I'd definitely done.
6: be in support of that putting that in the trade I'd love to see that.
3: That'd be cool. robin Java. Sorry.
6: Oh, I think
0: uh... I think that got most of mine, but um. <coughs> I, I, I guess this, this was an important thing too I, I understood that it was like it was like 10 years pitching this to try to get to get it to this to this point so I mean that's a that's a lot of hanging on to get things done so I mean it's, it's awesome that you were able to do that do you do you think a lot of what kind of kept you back was was the nonfiction stuff or do you, do you just think it was just finding the right time or the right place
6: to make it work? <laughs> It's a t- It's just a. Ve- I mean, yeah. It took me a long time, but I to get to get uh, Apocalypse rolled out from an actual comics publisher. T- you know, t- yeah, it was ten years or very close to. I don't really know that that's exceptional. I'm sure that there's you know a lot of other people with similar stories. It's just it's just a it's just a, t- a tough tough thing to do. I don't necessarily know that the nonfiction books held me back. They were great. I'm very I'm very pleased with them and and proud of them i mean there was certainly once the constitution book i was lucky to land that gig and i was lucky that in terms of publishing i guess i'd call it sort of a base hit you know it wasn't a it wasn't a bestseller but it's still in print after years and years and you know it, and it made um, the village voice in new york uh, counted it as among the uh, the best books of 2008 so it oh, was nice. you know it was yeah, very nice. I'll yeah. I'll I'll take that action any day, and but but then you know you've that sort of established the work that Aaron and I were doing as as nonfiction work, and then it was it's very when you're it's very easy to sort of get pigeonholed uh, in as as one type of creative talent, no matter what you're doing, because the you know the people and the gatekeepers of the various creative industries out there. There are people with a lot a lot of imagination, but sometimes that imagination is not extended to looking at you the individual and thinking that it's possible for you to be doing anything other than what you're doing right, right. now. You know, like I know that from working on film crews for, for many years. Like you know, getting in the, getting in the, uh, as a production assistant or an office person on a on a feature film set is not really going to open doors. It's, I mean, maybe it's possible. But I've never, I've never seen it. Like, the people are busy. They, they've sort of got tunnel vision. And then there are, there are people out there who are able to convince the gatekeepers that they're the ones who need to be working, that it's their stories, like their stuff that needs to get told. And damn it, those people have some kind of juice that, like, just not everybody <laughs> has. All, all you really need to do is be able to convince someone that you're that person. But uh, you know, not everybody has that. I I, that's that's not necessarily a a trick that I have learned yet.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I guess the whole idea of constantly pitching yourself, even though you're trying to act normal.
6: Exactly, and and I hope that you know, all the other wannabe creators out there will, you know, just look at my little story among the (laughs) backdrop of you know scores and scores that are similar, and just remember that it's a, you know, it, 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 it's a marathon, not a race. Right. Yeah, I,
0: I think it's I think it's great, because, I mean, there's so many ideas that, like, you know, will we'll come up or will kick around or somebody will talk about, and then you see, oh, well, there's something similar, oh, I'll just give up. So it's awesome to see somebody, like, who kept with it and got it all the way through. And I, I think all your, you know, your, your, your nonfiction stuff really helped out getting your name out there. Yeah,
6: I mean, ideally, yeah, ideally, one thing sort of uh, supports the other, and I have this book on the the, the history of beer, nine thousand years of the history of beer, coming out in in October, and and, and, I, and I think that might be a little bit more broadly appealing than a book on the U.S. Constitution or on the Civil War.
3: It's a different kind of niche, that's for sure. It is. A,
6: yeah, I wouldn't even call it a niche. I think it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole right. island. It, it's, yeah, it's a, it's it's a, a plateau. It's
3: a different thing in general. <laughs> right on. To kind of go back a little bit. You said that you made a, a film. Um, what's the name of the film?
6: Oh, the film is called... It's so embarrassing to talk about this because it's never really seen the light of day anywhere. Oh, no. Um, mm. It was called... It's it's called an evening of Christian radio. Okay, and it is about a Christian radio station in a small city in like East Texas. When I was uh, you know back when I was living in Austin, I would sometimes I've always been a my parents did not listen to music oddly enough, they would always listen to talk radio so i my music education was very hard to come by, and I've always had a little bit of a predilection to listening to talk radio so driving around Texas sometimes I would listen to these you know weird little Christian radio stations late late at night and listen to the the callers and hatch this sort of idea about a um a uh, 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 the, the sort of thumbnail it the story is about a Christian book author who's written a book on abstinence, going around from small Christian radio station to small Christian radio station with this, you know, telling people about his book. And then there's a, you know, very cute, teenage, devout girl who calls in and is, you know, on the air talking about how proud she is to be a virgin and, you know, how much she's going to read the book and how excited she is about it. And she's, you know, she's very intelligent, but she's also very devout, also very cute. And then there are these three dudes in a college, you know, listening like on a lark, and they think, "Oh, we're pr- we're prank calling. We got to start talking to this virgin girl right now." So they call into the station, and they bet that, like, the, they bet that if they they tell the girl that if they got in the same room with her, that she'd be giving it up to them immediately. And she is so taken aback by that, she takes the bet, and she hangs up the phone. And she's they're driving over to she's driving over to their like off campus, you know, like shitty apartment and the people in the station go crazy because they don't want her, <laughs> right. they don't want her in this scenario. They're trying to figure out who she is, where she is, and it's a panic and they're racing around this town trying to stop this girl from going over there and she gets there anyway and the guys are shocked that she went through with it and then it becomes this like huge awkward moment like she's there to test to see whether they can seduce her or not and <laughs> she and they don't they're just so gobsmacked that she actually went through with it like they don't know what to do and it, and then the uh the climax plays out
3: <laughs> right on right. I, you know i there's there's a fair amount of people like watching indie indie films i i don't know i think granted i i don't know about
6: putting it i i don't know if, if say if you have a dumb man there's no reason not let try to let people watch it yeah it's true well it might be you know the one of the one of the missteps i took with that one is it's like it's long it's oh. too it's almost it's not long enough to be a feature and it's kind of too long to be a short so i don't know i mean this again this was this was made in like the late 90s and it was it was it was really not necessarily it was really before streaming video was widely available sure. or if you want anybody to see it you had to get it into a festival and the festival showed short films before features and if you had some Half-hour thing, like they just couldn't program that. You know, right. nowhere to fit it.
3: Understandable. Yeah, things yeah. are a lot different now versus. I mean, just in the last five years, digitally and everything. At this point, getting a hold of an HD camera is only a few thousand dollars away. So it's yeah. not quite the same thing as it used to be.
6: But yeah, I'd love to revisit the whole. I'd love to revisit the whole idea of. Uh, of do of doing shorts because I think they're so much more viable now than they were when I was coming up.
3: Sure. Well, yeah, the advent of YouTube being the thing it is now, it's a totally different kind of. I don't know. It's a totally different kind of world for that, I guess.
6: Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm kicking around the idea of doing a trailer for the for the trade. Oh, uh, nice. I haven't brought this up with Legendary yet. I don't know if they would. Uh, sure. I don't know if they would let me because. You know, the producers of Pacific Rim and Godzilla and Dark Knight might want to exert some control over any visual <laughs> thing that has one of their products in it.
3: But, well, sure, uh, yeah. I just thought the, the name on there, they might have they might have reservations about it. Yes. <laughs> That'd be cool. If it was something that worked out, it'd be cool. But yeah, <laughs> If I, could, I did, I I'll let you again, know. Uh, all right, yeah. Um, okay, so... Uh, something else that I I read in, uh, in, in an article that you'd worked on that you worked on comic book villains right yes that's just an FYI that's freaking awesome if anybody who's <laughs> listening hasn't seen it comic <laughs> villains is great if you haven't seen that movie you really really should
6: if you're a real fan I no I don't think even the director James Dale Robinson of of Starman and other books like that I'm even sure he would he wouldn't say it was uh, Citizen Kane yeah. but it's got enough you know in jokes and material there for any fan to appreciate. And it's very it's a sort of a film noir story about two competing retailers in the same small town and it, you know there's this um, enormous collection of untouched, you know, books like, you know, Batman number 1 and <laughs> Detective Comics number 1 and the that this recluse in the t- this recently deceased recluse in the town has died. He lived with his mother all his life his mother has no idea what to do with these books and both of the staffs of these two different stores very different people are determined to get that collection for their own and then it you know builds to mayhem and murder <laughs> right and uh it's pretty yeah it's giant pretty good. giant
3: white well collection everything people hear about on the internet i found so and so in an old in, in a in a garage sale it's, yeah, yeah, yeah it's very much like a white well story but it's but it's, uh, it's it's very it's good I like it a lot actually
6: yeah and Donna Logue is uh is the star oh of, right he's, uh, yeah he's hilarious he's great and,
3: yeah. <laughs> of recent Gotham so that's pretty cool too yeah definitely <laughs> anyway um so okay as far as like uh are, do you have is there are, do you have any like in your writing style? Is there do you have any influences? I mean is there something that you look at and you say that's what I want to be like or is there somebody that you draw inspiration from right like writing style or anything like that?
6: I'll tell you that you know having been born like I read this article years ago that said if you are a nerd the best year to have been born is 1971 and that was that happened to be the year that I was born and so you know you were old enough to see star wars in the theater right you were old enough to when the first sort of pcs came out be an, be an early adopter and so and so on and when i look back at the things that i've written you know i can see like like yeah there's a number of influences that are subconscious, but it's always hard not to see your hero as Luke Skywalker in some form. <laughs> and then the other book, and this is not necessarily like the thing with the most cachet in the comics book world to admit, but there was a there was a book in the 80s called ElfQuest. And for some reason, like the local, in my town, there was a bookstore and the trades for ElfQuest somehow came on my radar and uh, those just blew me away now Marvel acquired this later and, and 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 published it and it's gone back and forth between between warp graphics and Marvel and different people with the rights and but there we I think the thing that uh, blew my mind and now you say the word elf quest it almost sounds like uh, you know an entourage that HBO series there was that show <laughs> Viking quest you know and it, it almost sounds right. like like some generic fantasy thing that you would make up for another generic uh, comedy, uh, but 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 it was a huge influence on it was a huge influence on me. I think it had, uh, it had great characters, and the thing about it that really blew my like eleven year old mind is that the humans were the bad guys, right? And it, maybe just that alone was enough to really blow my mind. It was really a, a huge influence.
3: Right on. Yeah, and like it does say something to ElfQuest the fact that it's still even now like currently it's with Dark Horse and they're doing like ElfQuest the final quest. Yeah. And so as far as a book's concerned, there was a whole lot of time in the middle there where it didn't really do a lot but shift between companies, get reprinted. But the fact that it's still getting stuff made for it even now, kind of crazy.
6: Right. I mean, in, and-
3: in actuality.
6: And to add to that list, you know, also very formative to me were the, you know, Chris Claremont X Men years. Sure. Okay. And yeah, that yeah, makes a lot sense. Of that.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so the, being that Apocalypse deals with a bunch of different eras and time frames all smashed together and whatnot, do you have like a favorite? And being that you're history buff, too, I mean, this is more along that line, I guess. Is there an era that you – like, do you have a favorite era? Like, if you had to pick one era to, to deal with or work in or write about or whatever, is there a particular time frame you like, like, era that you prefer?
6: I'll, I'll tell you, like, there's almost – and this is this sort of gets back to the, the, how the, the nonfiction books sort of supporting the, fi- the, the fiction books and vice versa. There's really there's, – you know, there's a couple – I've studied enough history now – to have a couple of different uh, times that that I that I really like, like for for some reason the Reconstruction period, like after the Civil War, okay. is a time that a lot of people don't like to. It, it doesn't get a lot of play in popular histories or in or in, in media very very much because you know the Civil War, whether no matter which side you support, you can sort of come away with that, like oh, this was you know glory, triumph, sacrifice. You know, men being men, however you want to style it. But then the next bunch of years were were pretty confu- confusing and ugly, and much less glorious in every way, from the politics to you know things that were happening in the, in the country. And so there's something about the confusion and chaos and and uh, insincerity of that time that I really like. But then I'll, I'll admit, like I have this fascination for for of uh, the. Dutch colonial times, which is why our main character is from the 1640s. Okay. He's from right. he's from the New Amsterdam before, you know, like the "They Might Be Giants" the name of a giant song. It's fascinating to me that a country <laughs> that seems to be such a small player on the world stage now. I mean, everyone loves An- Amsterdam. I don't think there's any almost no one anywhere has a trouble with the Netherlands. But it's I, it's kind of amazing to think that you know they were caught, they were had in control of. You know, a pretty significant portion of North America, and and I think that they gave a lot to our civilization that we've that doesn't get a lot of uh, attention. Like that was a middle class country. That was a country that didn't really have feudalism. It didn't. The, it had nobility, but it didn't have serfs and lords. It, because in the Netherlands, like they, that was a swamp that they drained. It's like the only first world nation that was never stolen from another people you know there were right. no indigenous people that the Dutch had to kick out because they just they made their country from from uh, from swamp and from, uh, from <laughs> and so they had to rely on each other because these dikes the drainage projects and these dikes like needed so much constant maintenance that they wound up kind of having a fairly egalitarian society I mean, particularly for the time and so you know I think there's a lot of American values that we get out of that 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 people forget and like you know it's very hard, but it's very hard not to love the Dutch,
3: <laughs> right? That's true. <laughs> that, that, that's, I, I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right. There, there's a fair amount of North North America. They were kind of in charge of North America wasn't what what it is now by by any means.
6: Yeah. So yeah, that's, and the it's, other it's thing at that time, you know, the, but the, the English were in, the, the Swedes were in control of uh, the area around De- the area around Philadelphia, like right. The, uh, and then you had the French, and so it was a dangerous time. It's easy to forget that the Spanish, French, English, Dutch, Swedes were all, like, fighting each other. And then with the, with the uh, you know, throw the Native Americans into the mix, and it's, ve- it's like, it's very complicated. Right, crazy melting pot. All these different pot, civilizations yeah. coming to a head, yeah.
3: Right. Huh, it's that, yeah, interesting. I, you're, you're right. There's not really a whole lot about that in general, like in right. anything, really. That's a, that's a, that's really that's it's interesting. I guess I never really thought But about I wouldn't
6: said wouldn't pose it as a backdrop for a superhero. But no, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, a, you know. Very it's... esoteric one anyway. <laughs>
3: True. Um, okay, so I, I, I we got we got a couple more little questions. This this, sure. this one's more the other two are crazy. This this one's more normal. And I, without giving anything away or like spoiling anything, is there a particular reason why 1952?
6: Yeah there's a, there's there's a there's a couple of reasons and some of them are th- some of them are plot oriented and I will let those hopefully roll out it's like, sure, yes, no, very I mean. very specific okay um why why 19 why 1951 and like if you follow apocalypse to the end like I guarantee you like you will know why this choice was made but it's also the, the it's also a thematic point and that is sort of you know that is sort of this that um even though it's 2015 now, I, I think – and you know the generation that's coming up might be the first one to sort of break this. But I think we still get – I think consciously or subconsciously, I think Americans continue to be obsessed with the 50s. I think the 50s are still our blueprint for what we consider normal and that most people, if they could turn times, times back, like that's where most people would want to feel like they want to go – if they, if they could time travel. And I think we base so many of our like, expectations of what's right and wrong, good and bad, um, d- desirable and versus undesirable based on the 50s. So and I think we even use that, we even project 1950s values onto the past. We, present, we, we project them onto the past, present, and the future. So it only makes sense that that's kind of the, the center flashpoint, the fulcrum point for all of this history coming together.
3: Awesome. That's, that's cool. They do really... Yeah, they, most time travel, even like films, a majority of them do wind up in the 50s. Sure. Uh, they do. Cool. Even
6: though 1951 isn't... Net, it's still very the 40s. But again, mm. it's also like... I'll tease a few things here. Atomic experiments are happening that during that time. Right. The knowledge of physics is exploding at that time. America is uh, sort of, you know, on top at that time. And uh, those... All play, and but it was also before the various you know crises of the '60s and '70s, with like Watergate and the race riots, and you know to some degree even the uh, even the uh, scandal, the quiz show scandal, really shook people up. And uh, in a way, in the 1950s, you have a population that might be a little bit more easy to easier to control than people coming along later,
0: right. I also feel like, you know, in the 50s, like, everything was going nuts. You know, industry was booming. You had different cars all the time. Everything was style, style, style. You know, architecture was
6: booming. Like, we yeah. really, like, the, the future was so bright. They like, were looking at the future, and now we're looking back at them. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. Well, I, and their future was like, well, if we keep going the way we're going, flying cars, jetpacks, no problem at all. You know, they were just building things so fast in the 50s it kind of feels like we almost slowed down as we passed that, but we've really just gotten smaller. We're, we're doing everything in such a subtle way now, where in the 50s it seemed
6: like you know, big changes were happening all the time. Yeah.
3: yeah that's, that's, that's true. And yeah, maybe the
6: interstate highway system, you're right. I mean, they were doing, uh, undertaking like, huge things that you can't even imagine them undertaking now. Yeah, and it's not that
0: we can't. We, we, we do amazing things. We're just doing it on a smaller scale. You know the the things that we've achieved with a cell phone in twenty years yeah is is amazing, and when you look at like the automotive industry from the fifties in twenty years from fifties to seventies, oh my gosh, like we changed everything about how we did those things,
6: right. And government is doing a lot less now too. This I mean, is true. Pri- private industry. Is, not that private industry was a slouch in the fifties, but no. but people still trusted the government for the, you know the space program and kind of and energy yeah. research, and yeah, and yeah. the interstate highways. Well, it's and,
0: huge. And like you were saying, you know, because it was before Watergate and before you know the quiz show and before these other things, we trusted so much more.
3: That's true. Yeah.
0: And now you know the the plaza thing is to
6: be like be mistrustful everybody's out for their own angle yep absolutely
3: and it's true, the true.
6: and in, because apocalypse centers around 1950 but it also goes as far back as the late 1590s will we there will be a character from the late 1590s will oh. meet but it also goes but in order to write this i you have to have some vision of the future that goes as far as the 2200s nice and so in the coming issues you will we start to shade in what happens you you can take as granted like the history from even in the apocalypse world the history from 1951 to 2015 is exactly the way it has gone I'm not taking any poetic license but everything after that because they're you know where are these people from the 2100s and 2200s they're exotemporals they're anachronisms some of them are in hiding some of them might secretly be in positions of power a lot of them have turn themselves into the authorities, you know, there will be characters that you see from this time. And so it had to be extrapolated like into the future. So there is a vision of of where we're headed. And in in Apocalypse 4, you'll start to see some hints of that.
3: Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I look forward to it for sure. Okay, so if you were trapped on a desert island, what five items, including possibly people, would you take with you?
6: Oh jeez, people! Well, now now people are going to be now. Now that you're just setting me not up... not to hurt you know, anybody's feelings because you don't disappoint. want to be
3: trapped with you. Maybe
6: you know. <laughs> I don't even know if my wife would want to spend that much time with me on an island. <laughs> well, I'm one of the reasons I'm here is that uh, I I you know like I spoke briefly about how my parents always had talk radio on and how that conditioned me to like love the human voice and and so I am listening to tons of podcasts. Like I can't. I, that my iPod is on my hip constantly. <laughs> so that would definitely have to be one. The other, the other one would have to be, I still, re, re, I still read a ton. And so there would have to be some huge, probably 20th century fiction anthology, um, with me, because I don't think I could go very long without that, right. but I would have to have a case of ginger beer, <laughs> of various kinds, um, because that is my preferred. Even though I have this book about beer, um, before five p.m. my drink is uh, non-alcoholic ginger beer. Sinus clearing leaves you punched in the face with heat. That's what I would. Uh, that's what I would prefer. And uh, and uh, well, I am an avid cyclist, and I can't. You know, cycling is self-medication for me. It's either going to be exercise, booze or pharmaceuticals and so i'd have to set about paving some kind of circular loop on this island because i wouldn't be able to get by without my uh... without without that all right well
3: exercise and everything else included right
6: yes (laughs) and i I remember you talking
0: about uh... the cycling in this in this other interview and that you were really interested to see
6: what the future
0: of cycling would be
6: yeah, it's just, I mean, I think it'll be Go-Go Tomago and Big Hero 6's bike. That's, that's what <laughs> that's I'm awesome. ready for. That would be awesome, yeah.
3: <laughs> right on. Those are good answers. I, I like those. Um, okay, so last question. Um, if you lived in Fantasyland, would you ride a chocolate pony?
6: I would, I, would, I would have a chocolate pony. I would certainly take care of it. I don't, think, I don't think that I would ride it, but I would lead it around everywhere I go by the reins.
3: It's a good choice because it could get messy. <laughs> <laughs> right on, John. Well, we appreciate you taking the time, man, to sit on, sit on and talk with us and give us a little bit of the into's on, on Apocalypsey. Mm. Well, That's, uh,
6: podcasts, and, podcasts and comics, what is not to love?
3: Right. Oh mm. well, Exactly. Yeah.
6: Thank, very, you, very very, thank you very, very much.
3: Oh, yeah, of course, man. Yeah, we, we, like I said, we appreciate you taking the time. Um, let me th- let's me let have you throw out uh, – so you, what was your website again?
6: Uh, my website is jonathanhennessy.com, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-H-E-N-N-E-S-S-E-Y, <laughs> so unlike the cognac. That my, that name, I'm sort of lucky to have been born with that name. You can always – it gives me an inst- – whenever I meet people, whether it's even a, a checkout person at Best Buy, you kn- you – Immediately know who likes to party because they say, <laughs> "Oh, Hennessy." But I have to tell them, you know, that was the uh, not like the cognac. I got an extra e on there, so no, no, no error to the cognac portion. Right. So, jonathanhennessy.com and also on Twitter at I am a rain dog too.
3: Right on, well, and everybody keep keep your eyes open for for Apocalypsey. I mean, it's we we reviewed it. So if you listen to our show regularly, I mean, you'll know that we always all of us seem all of us like it. But if you haven't got a chance to check it out, I mean, you really, really, really should hit your vendors up about it. Um, As far as books are concerned, I know Diamond Sell has copies because I actually ordered a couple more number ones yesterday for people. So uh, if your store vendor uh, hasn't carried it, I would suggest it or tell them to order it for you.
6: Terrific. Issue four comes out on February 18th. And if you're waiting for the trade, that is July 6th from what I understand.
3: Excellent. Right on. Well, thanks again, John. We appreciate it, man.
6: You guys are the best. Thanks so much.
0: It was a fantastic interview. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for spending so much time with us and really like shedding some light on your career and this book series. Thank you for going out of your way to do that. That was fantastic.
3: Yeah, John, great guy. Um, super awesome conversation. Really entertaining book. Uh, all around and and legendary being a newer com- company to comic books. Really pretty impressive. Uh, not just this book, but a few of their other books, too. I mean, uh, Town Called Dragon's great. Uh, book-wise, they've been putting out some decent the stuff. The Tower
1: Chronicles oh, comes Oh, the
3: Tower Chronicles, too. Yeah, I forgot about that. But um, good books. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't ever tried any of their stuff, give it a chance. <laughs> All right, so let's do some books to watch. was almost exactly the same thing we did this entire show. Ross, go. Books to read. Um,
4: well, you can go with Aquaman. Okay. Hey. Isn't there I, some awesome
0: collision books coming up that you're interested in? Or convergence. Convergence. Oh, sorry, convergence. <laughs> yeah.
4: Whatever. Yeah, yeah there are oh, yeah. some pretty cool convergence books coming out um, between the Justice League International stuff happening again and uh, Classic Red Robin and Stephanie Brown.
3: That does look awesome with Black Bat. Yeah. yeah. Should uh, be
4: great. I'll give you, like, uh, Aquaman. I haven't picked up for a while, but the ending of this last issue makes me pretty excited for what's coming there, too.
3: I can't shake my head hard enough at you, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Curtis, anything to read?
1: Stick with Invincible. A uh, book called Cluster coming out. There's another one? Uh, Apocalypse.
2: <laughs> definitely,
1: definitely watch that one. Yeah. Um, descender i think it's gonna be a good book it does
3: look pretty awesome yeah i'm I'm impressed with the little previews an image or in the uh, preview catalog
1: there's a couple more in the catalog i forgot about but no those are all those are all gonna be i think cluster's gonna be good sometimes i miss a good book and i think it's gonna be good and it ends up crap in the bed but i think those books are probably gonna be pretty safe
3: which is really really messy and it's not good to clean up yeah (laughs) yeah mike on that note mike
5: Oh, Batman and Robin, obviously. Um, black Science, Deadly Class, stick in there, hang in there with those that Invincible. Mm-hmm. I'll have to say Invincible's pretty cool. Um, saga, still pretty good.
1: Keptora?
3: No. <laughs> Just no. Did you, oh, and, you did know you read I, the
5: preview? I'll, I'll agree with Ross and stick with Aquaman. (laughs) Aquaman.
0: Oh, man. Rob? Um, You know, there's a ton of great conversions, books that are coming out, or or as I like to call it, hot potato. (laughs) Because it's, whatever, it's crisis. (laughs) But um, they're going to go back and they're going to do a character that's really close to me, which is the fade-cut Superboy in that story. And then the one that I'm really excited about is they're going to go back and do a Shazam story and that one's gonna be like probably the hardest one for me because it's gonna be Shazam's group versus this, the the Gaslamp District Batman, Not and they're 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 posing this as like whoever loses, that's it, they're dead, they're gone. We're gonna get rid of that universe. So, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty excited to see what they're gonna do with that. Um, plus, they're gonna be wrapping up a bunch of the Avengers stuff uh, in in the newest catalog. So new and, and and a regular Avengers are gonna be going away. So. Check out their last issues, and of course, the Fantastic Four no more. So,
3: All right. um, Also, to follow the uh, the whole idea of uh, convergence, we got Convergence Blue Beetle number one. Oh yeah, that should be freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Some, I'm assuming Ted Kord action from the little write up, and then uh, the Action Comics book, which looks very much like a uh, Red Sun Superman versus regular Superman.
0: So that should be pretty cool. I, I think isn't that even like Earth. 2 Superman like the one with the gray in the oh sand? it is yeah oh, it's a yeah. 2 Superman and I think I think the Blue Beetle stuff is, is packs it's like mm. dealing with that whole like Charleston theme of characters and stuff so it might be there's, I,
1: there's another book in there that shows those Charleston characters so I'm not certain what
0: the title is mm. mm. there is a JSA as well it's going to be Dynamite because I love JSA anyway
3: well there's Just League International
0: which is what Ross was talking
3: about
1: mm-hmm. and that's heavily got the Blue Beetle in it too mm. No. From there's another one from Dark Circle. Is that what it's called? Dark Circle.
0: Dark, Dark Circle's gonna have the shield coming out,
1: and it, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be good. I haven't got to it.
0: They also have a really crazy um, crossover that's gonna be coming up soon, which is Archie versus the Predator. Yeah. <laughs> which makes. It's written by Alex De I'm, I'm kind of. I, I'm kind of interested to see what they're gonna do with that. Uh, and then there was another one that we just passed, like a minute ago, which is uh, Lady Mechanica finally coming back. So that'll be something to really watch.
3: Well, she's going to have a new. They're going to wrap up the original series, just Lady Mechanica, and they're having a second volume. Um, I don't remember the name of it though, but that's in the new catalog. And it's
1: not going to be Benita's doing the art. Ooh. So he's going to be writing, but it's not going to be him doing the art. Well, that is a sad day, sir.
3: And then I'll give it one more goners if you haven't checked that thing out. It, it, it I like it. It's 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 cool. It's weird. It is weird, but I, weird. I do like it. Like with the two kids, I don't know. I like it. No, so, I, I
1: agree. I've read the first two issues. Right. It's just it's, it's off weird. the chain right from the beginning. Right.
3: Oh, you basically start with the death and destruction like yeah. in the very beginning, dude. So it's yeah, I like. I do like. It's that a one very
1: more. fast first. It's kind of
3: cool. The art style is pretty. Cool. Pretty, pretty cool to it, too, actually. It's
1: different, but it fits the story. Right. It's something I usually don't like, but it fits the story.
3: It's understandable. I do like it. So if you haven't tried Goner's, so give it give it a chance. I, I like it. Anyway, um, so I want to call that a wrap, lads. That's some tequila over there, Ross.
0: It's been a really fun 50 episodes. Hopefully everybody's enjoyed where we've gone so far. and Hopefully we make another 50. Who knows? I hate all of you. <laughs> don't Jeez. jump the short now
2: tiki tiki
3: mike
1: tiki yeah
0: wakazan yeah! <laughs> wakazan waka-za. the big five-o wakazan wakazan you <laughs> could do your thing around just he asked you a question what thing i don't know I can't remember that. Who asked you a question? What do you spend money on, Ross? What did I say? <laughs> what do you spend the money,
2: spend money on? No. on, Ross? I'm not doing it. Pulling the mic.
5: Perfect. I, like I just fun. want to hear you say it.
2: I just want to hear you say it.